we are geek-centric, and you can be too. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Geek-Centric Podcast. My name is Nate, and in this episode, we got Baby Yoda on a t-shirt. We talk about Elizabeth Banks' next venture, and we uncover the mystery of the lost Star Wars script. But first, if you're joining us for the first time, this is a weekly show covering the world of film, television, gaming, toys and collectibles, and all things geek-centric. Joining me on the show, we've got the joyous judge of jams, Jayla. Yo, yo. And to his immediate right, we've got Kevin the Crumpet Killer Hudson. Ooh, crumpets. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> everybody. Yummy. How's it crumpets. going? I had breakfast on the mind today, guys. Well, there we go. I I've didn't... always got breakfast on the mind. <laughs> is yeah, breakfast is the best meal. Uh, Justin, as the joyous judge of jams, raspberry, strawberry, what do you... What do you... Ooh, I like uh, I like raspberry jam. Raspberry jam yeah, over I'm strawberry? Really? Well, I, I can... I'm, I'm a fan of red jams. Okay. If that counts. <laughs> so... Grape jelly all day long, baby. Grape <laughs> jelly all day I long. I generally prefer purple things. What, what about what? Oh, about yeah, marmalade? like a grape jelly? Yeah, I love a grape jelly. Oh, I thought you said grape jelly originally. <laughs> oh, no, yeah. <laughs> all jellies that that is great, I enjoy, yes. No, not, grape jelly. I'm not grape. a fan of marmalade. Though. No? No. Yeah, marmalade, too, is it too bitter? Uh, Perhaps. I, yeah. I don't know. It's just, it's orange. <laughs> so I always think of like it tasting like orange. <laughs> okay. I think that's what it's made out of. And, and I'm a smooth guy. Yeah. I like a nice smooth jam, not the okay. chunky kind. You oh. know? So then, so then re- like, how do you deal with seeds? Seeds in a... In a jam. Well, you don't get those in like your processed Welch's jams and stuff. And <laughs> that's, that's me. I'm preservative central, baby. <laughs> I'm a craft I'm a craft jelly kind of exactly. guy. Exactly. Excellent. Well, uh, enough about breakfast. Um, we've got a, a, a jam-packed uh, episode uh, for, for you this, uh, this fine evening. Um, and, uh, you know, I think just to dive right into it, we should get into Whatcha. Um, Kevin... What you been? What you been watching or doing? Or well, um, on a on on the personal side, yeah. I just got back from Sin City, yeah. Las Vegas. Absolutely. Uh, I won't delve into too many details, but I will say when they say what happens in Vegas stays <laughs> in Vegas, they're talking about your money. Yes, exactly. I was gonna say, how much money did you lose? Yeah, too much to uh, mention oh, on air. No, my my accountant might get mad at me. <laughs> oh no! And we talked about the the fact that you're going to be getting married soon, so. So yeah, I was trying to pay off the wedding, and right. instead I just added more debt to my life. So woohoo! Fantastic. fantastic. Thanks, Vegas. Thank um, you. But you mentioned in our last episode that you were going to get a chance to play Pokemon. Did you get any, did you, any Pokemon playing? I had 10 hours of flight time, didn't I? Yeah, so, yeah. How did uh, that go? I'm loving it. Yeah? It's a lot of fun. Yeah. A lot of fun. Um, I'm actually like okay with these new Pokemon. Yeah. And I've never been okay with them before. Right. The design so I of them. And I like, like them. They're fun. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm enjoying picking out the ones I want to you know add to the team and, and sort of you know, improve upon and everything like that. Yeah. So I think the character's design's been great. Uh, and you had mentioned all the little shortcuts and, and playability factors that they added in. Yeah. Uh, even just being able to, you know, get your, your Pokeball out to catch a wild Pokemon right from the... Right from the get-go. Oh, the, the get- little button, yeah. Yeah, the you hit X and it's gone. Like, yeah. oh, you don't have to go in the bag and stuff. Like, little so features good. like that are, are really good. Cool. So, yeah. And are you reading everyone's voice with a British accent, given that it's it's kind of like taking place in... A Britain type place. I don't oh, know if you was noticed that the some idea. Of that. I yeah. hadn't really picked up on that. Well, there's some really weird, like in the first uh, few moments of the game. There's a character. It's like 
um, like, I can't believe you didn't get lost. Like your, your pants with directions or your pants with directions. And I'm just like, mm. what is that? I had to go to like my local British friend at work and be like, what, what does this mean? Well, um, somebody told me that um, that's a very Japanese stereotype or trope. Um, a, a lot of times uh, a, a doofus or a buffoon character that they'll yeah. have they're always getting lost. Oh, really? Yes. Okay. Even if they're following somebody, they'll get lost. And that's so just that the trope sense. that they, they have. Yeah. So Cool. So, yeah. But, um, you're, but you're loving it so far. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. And your starter, you picked? Who uh, did you pick? Well, I can't even remember his name. I went, uh, uh, the guy with the... The, the went, Yeah, Grookey. Yeah, Grookey yeah. gang all day. Uh, I went with he's Grookey a drummer. Well. That's that's right up my alley. So, I like that. <laughs> Very cool. Awesome. Have you been watching anything? Uh, I've been trying to. I mean, there is just so much stuff on right now, everywhere, that... How could you like? I'm I'm behind much. on every show. I'm a season behind. Yeah. I'm a, I'm three episodes behind. It's too much to watch. Um, I think I've caught up on Silicon Valley. Okay, enjoying that. Enjoying yep. that. Um, I you you had mentioned one of the episodes felt very much like a filler episode. Yes, and I agreed with you very much when I watched it. Yeah, the episode finished, and I was like, that was the one Nate was talking about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but on the last one, uh, I hope this isn't a spoiler, but Ross Hannigan, Ross. Russ, 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 Hannigan. Russ, Russ oh, Hannigan yeah. comes back. Russ He's, Fest. I love him, man, dude. Place Comas, and like, it's such a it's such a parody of the uh, oh that Mad Max that? commercial. No, well that yeah the Mad Max commercial, but also wasn't there um like that festival Fire Fest? Oh yes, right. It's, yeah. it's an exact rip off of that, right? Like sure, sure, like a little bit of Burning Man meets <laughs> meets Fire Fest. So that so that'll fun. be a lot of fun. Yeah, um, can't wait. Um, what else? Uh, finished American Horror Story. Oh, wow. One okay. of my favorite seasons in, in years. That was yeah. a lot of fun. Uh, cool. If you're a fan of slasher films, yeah. Uh, even if you don't like the American Horror Story sure. series, go check out the uh, season nine. And I think you mentioned like it can be, you can just jump into season nine. You don't have to have it's, watched. It's, a, it's an it's individual whole story there. And it, and it doesn't cross over with some other seasons like some have. Awesome. So it's a, a, a totally standalone uh, adventure. But it was uh, it was pretty darn cool. To watch them make fun of and pay tribute to uh, 80 slasher films. Cool. And then um, uh, the last thing I wanted to mention. So I've been catching up on my Wednesday night shows, mm-hmm. um, which would be Goldberg's, Modern Family, and Single Parents. Okay. And um, Goldberg's hasn't been a very good show for years. Yeah. Uh, but all three had wicked Thanksgiving episodes. Uh-oh. I don't know what about the, the holiday season brought that out in them. Yeah. Um, but so Goldberg's were watching it. And all of a sudden, Dan Fogel shows up. Yeah. Guys dropped 100 pounds. Really? He looked incredible. That's good. And good so, like, I'm on, a, I'm on a weight loss journey of my own. You right. know, I'm down Seems 75 really. pounds, very proud of myself. Congratulations. And then all of a sudden, this son of a bee comes on, and I'm just like, <laughs> wow. Yeah, like it was. there. And so they wrote it into the show in a very funny way that was very fitting for his character. Yeah. But I wonder how they're going to do it for Fantastic Beasts. Right. Oh, yeah, because he's going to look so different. So different. Going into like, the next he one. He cannot just show up. Unless, and, do you think he, for Hollywood, he puts it back on or? No, I, I, I read somewhere. Yeah. Because um, I, I, as soon as I saw this episode, I was looking it up to yeah. see how much he had lost and how he did it. Just, I'm always curious about that stuff. And he says they're working on ideas to incorporate it into the movie. So I thought that was really That's cool awesome. and something to, to, to he'll, look forward he'll drink, to. He'll uh, drink, he'll drink some sort of some potion. potion or something, yeah, you know, 100%. It, they'll, they'll do a, they'll do a CGI <laughs> fat suit, if you will, or something. Right, maybe. And then he'll, and he'll just, yeah. and then, and then it'll pose the typical kind of Harry Potter question. Mm-hmm. Cause if there's just a potion out there that you can take and lose weight, <laughs> why is anybody overweight in the Harry Potter right. world? You it's know? like, so. why are there bathrooms in the Harry Potter world? When JK Rowling said there was a spell that would help them to not 
have to ever use the watch. Like, you know, ridiculous. So, but yeah, that's what I've been up to. Cool. Awesome. And uh, Justin, what have you been uh, watching? What you been playing, doing, all that sort of thing? Well, I haven't really had much opportunity to watch much other than Mandalorian. Been staying on top of that. Yeah. I, gra- I did watch the third episode of uh, Jeff Goldblum. Um, oh, cool. The the, was that the Jeff tattoo Goldblum. one? Yeah, it was great. Oh, my gosh. Um, he's he's fantastic. I really love this uh, perspective that he, he brings to, like, these sort of, uh, what would you call it? Like, I guess, subgenre cultures or, or you know. Even just, it's almost like facets of of life yeah right? yeah and i guess it is life according to jeff goldblum a- right. anyways I- i'm loving the show and uh it's uh his personality really brings a lot and i love his perspective into the- these things yeah uh, even though obviously some of it is definitely written as like here's some facts because it is a national geographic show so there is going to be some you know factoids in, in all the episodes right but you're just still going to learn something yeah exactly but the way he narrates those yeah. those factoids and and like how he brings his own personality through it like i like i said in the last one it's like it's more performance than it is like reading uh right. which i could generally appreciate because he's bringing his own personality in it so i definitely dug that mandalorian we'll probably talk about that later yes. in watch club um but uh, other than that i have been Playing Jedi Fallen Order. Yeah. Haven't gotten too far. How far? What percentage are you at? I'm at 10% and I've done four different planets. Really? It's pretty crazy. Like I I just finished where I get captured and then I have like this big battle with all these different. Right. Like it's, it was. There's a, yeah, there's a moment where it's sort of. Attack of the Clones. It feels very Attack of the Clones. I mean, I think we mentioned that scene a few times in this podcast, but um, that, you know, that, that Coliseum scene. Yep. Um, where you're on show to like show your your strength and, and what level like of difficulty are you playing on i'm currently playing on story mode. story mode right yeah, okay yeah. yeah i've i was on jedi knight which is i guess like normal mm-hmm. and i had to i there was a few moments where i had to cut it back to to story mode because it just it just was stopping the to game be fun, you even know? even you are having these troubles yeah because like my brother started it and he said oh you'll be fine on jedi knight he mm-hmm. was he was trying jedi master yeah He's gotten about 10, 15% of the way through the game like Justin and came back to me and was like, Kev, do story mode. You will <laughs> never be able to do anything any higher than yeah. that. But I, I've yeah. been like, the thing is, is that it is so vague on mm-hmm. certain things. And I, and I, the general consensus from reading online and, and watching other walkthroughs, because sometimes I get stuck and I have to watch these walkthroughs to be like, what am I missing here? Yeah. Like I'm at a spot and it's like, they're giving you all of these like little clues and it's like, I don't know exactly. One of them I was actually able just to do on my own because I figured it out from a past puzzle, if you will. Right. So it had, yeah, it had similarities. So I figured that piece out, but it's just crazy how it's so vague on all of the missions and, and what you need to do and where things are. Yeah. The um, map is not that no, great. No, no. Like the way the they're map, structured. No. And, and like the, 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 the fact that it's above ground and underground and then, then there's like right. super underground and then it's like you got to go through to figure out all these things. Like <laughs> Kevin's it's, shaking his head. It's, it's pretty intense. I'm enjoying the the world building to yeah. it and, um, you know, the narrative that, uh, you know, you, you kind of unravel as you go. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm enjoying that. Other than that, just been editing. We've yeah. had, been editing our uh, Frozen video. We've had a bit of a delay on that just mm-hmm. because we haven't found the proper voice talent but uh, looks like we've got something lined up with someone and that's probably going to come out this week or pro- actually sorry next week so probably okay. by the time you're listening to this podcast 
um, it still won't be out. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> but we're hoping we're hoping for either Friday or sometime over the weekend. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the editing has been it's been smooth. We've had a couple things that Kevin and I have just been working through, like for animations and narrative. But uh, it's uh, it's coming along. It's going to be another. Disney magical musical. A Disney banger. <laughs> Very Disney cool. banger. Prepare to get uh, the tune of Let It Go yeah. stuck in your head for three weeks Amazing. again. I'm, I'm, I can't wait to hear what uh, her name is, Tanya. Okay. She's actually, um, she, her and her partner are performers for kids. Oh, wow. So they go to birthday parties. They have a YouTube channel. Oh, um, so she's, you know, she, she was putting... I was put in touch with her for, through another contact of ours. Yeah. And, um, you know, she seemed really excited about it. Cool. Um, and she has a, she has a, she has the acting chops too. So awesome. it's going to be really interesting to see how with Kevin's lyrics, like yeah. what he's written and, uh, her power of her voice, how it's going to turn out. I, I'm like, I can't wait to hear that. I, I pre-recorded the songs for her just to give her an essence of what I was thinking in terms of timing and stuff. I yeah. cannot wait to hear somebody else sing these songs because it is so painful. So, I don't know it's how Justin. Yourself. I don't yeah. know how Justin is sitting there editing, having to hear me I, at one point butcher the the, yeah, the lyrics. It's over, literally, it's literally it's been it's been hilarious. But yeah. for now, that's uh, I guess that production is frozen. It, it oh, is, yes. good one, really, good one. I've been thinking. I was. I've been trying to think for the last two minutes of a, a joke. You got it. Good yeah, for there you, you go. Good, very cool. So uh, I guess then it leads us to you, Nate. What you been up to yeah i mean besides uh i rolled credits on jedi fallen order so congratulations storyline on it which by the way if you you mentioned you're looking up some um walkthroughs and things like that online be very careful on youtube the ending is super easy to get spoiled for you. It was already spoiled for me. Yeah, no, I know. Uh, you, yeah, I yeah. know what happened. Don't, Don't say you it. dare say yeah. it. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I you, was wondering, though. Like, yeah. I was wondering if that was going to happen. So you'll, I mean, just wait and see what, what's all, what, how it unfoils. But, uh, but yeah, just be. <gasps> I think foils? I just figured it out in my head. It is awesome. Unfoils. Unfoils. Okay. Okay. Well, like a baked potato. Okay. None unfoils. of that has. Yes. The ending is that you enjoy a nice baked potato. No. Um, I was uh, I watched the morning show the the latest uh, kept up with the morning show um, and it's getting like really good um, yeah I've I've caught up on all of the Apple yeah, TV Plus stuff as it's, well it's so good like it's just like it's it's continuously keeping its quality like I haven't hit an episode of the morning show yet where I sort of felt. Oh, that was kind of like a, a filler or a passable episode. I kind of I would know. say that the last one. You think was. so? Yeah, I think the one before it was a lot more powerful. This the one, penultimate episode. Yeah. <laughs> Did you see it? No, no, no. How do you guys do this? <laughs> like, are you driving to work, watching, watching. stuff? Like, it's no, dangerous, like, guys. I, I definitely. It's it's all about. I think just making where time can be yeah. suited, right? So, like yesterday, I was going to, but then I was like, you know what? I should probably keep plowing through this editing so i decided to do that and i didn't game but the mm -hmm. day before i gamed for four hours right, right. <laughs> so it, all, it all balances out um and then i i got my hands on google stadia uh which is google's streaming video game platform uh i had pre-ordered it like months ago uh and it finally came in and it's uh I don't know. It's not that good. Is it <laughs> oh, really? Apple Arcade? Well, it's so Google Stadia, for those who don't know, is a um, it's essentially Google's sort of like it's their streaming gaming platform. Um, and I would almost say like Netflix, but with the difference being that 
you you actually have to pay for the games along with the subscription. So it's you're subscribing to the platform. Which you're is, literally subscribing for the right to buy stuff. Correct. But keep in mind, the, the subscription is for the 4K version. If you want to play the streaming 1080p version, uh, that's going to be free. Uh, in, in next year in 2020. Yeah, so then why um, wouldn't people just do that? Well, I think that this is so uh, to be fair, I ordered the founders pack, which should have been called an early access, uh, like a beta or something like that. But it's it's not it's it's actually a full release. And it's supposed to be it's it's their it's their answer to the console without a console, right? The ability to play on your phone, on your computer at work, you know, wherever you can access a Chrome browser, you can play these games. Unfortunately, the you know, the promise of Google Stadia was put out and then I would say they've succeeded so far on maybe 10% of that promise. So, you know, you're you, they they mention, you know, being able to stream anywhere. Well, I, you know, it doesn't work yet on iPhone, right? It doesn't right, work on iPad. Yeah. Um, it only works on their Google Pixel phone, right? So right. Mm. that's a selling point, right? Right, exactly. So it's like they're going to be on iOS eventually, but that's not going to be for the three months of Stadia Pro that I've bought with this founders pack. I, so I, it's I think, just like, I think so Apple, it's worth waiting. Yeah. Oh, just wait. I think Apple probably beat them to it. Right. In terms of like well, a subscription service? Well, a full package, right? Like, sure. Like the fact that with Apple, at least you can you can get, you know, with the subscription access to all the games. You're not yeah. buying the games. Yeah. Right. And you can literally pick up on any of your devices. Yeah. Like how right? much but, is the Google? Um, so the Google Stadia um, monthly, I'm actually, I'm actually not sure because it was about, it was like 120 something dollars for the controller with three months of stadia pro um and then in stadia pro you do get destiny 2 and uh oh, so they have bigger name games samurai right? showdown yeah absolutely like you're some of the games that you can buy on the on the platform you know red dead redemption 2 cyberpunk is going to be coming out for it oh, right okay okay so like this is a really so that's cool... why they're charging you for the games as well then, right right because like they can't just say oh it's a monthly subscription and you get all these games whereas right. apple's like trying to paved the way for their own developers that are making games for their systems. Yeah. It's interesting. But I mean, that's, you know, you can get Apple TV and arcade for what, 13 a month or so. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's again, it is one of those things where the only good thing I can say about it so far is that it actually works. Um, I was playing, didn't notice too much lag. There were a few moments uh, where, you know, my internet speeds are actually pretty good, but I did notice a, a few moments where it sort of lagged or, or, or froze or what have you. Um, but for the most part, it, it worked really well. I guess I haven't been able to really test it outside of my house on a on a Chromecast, right? So hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll see it evolve. We'll see it get better. But for now, I would say if you're interested in, in streaming your video games through Google Stadia, hold off. It's not, it's not even worth it. So that is Watcha. We're going to switch things up a little bit. We're actually going to jump right into trailer time. It's trailer time. All right. So for our first trailer, um, we saw a, this is an interesting one. The Three Christs. Uh, this is starring John or sorry, directed by John Avnet, starring Richard Gere. Where the heck has Where, he been? Right? Where is that guy? He's been at the hamster store. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. That's <laughs> what I was going to say. Store? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's well, a, look into that. Look into that time. story. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> gosh. Okay. <laughs> um, and uh, Peter Dinklage, Walton Goggins, whoop, whoop, 
um, uh, Bradley Whitford, which is awesome. Another woo woo, right? And uh, and Julia Margulies, and and so this basically um, it's a it's based on a true story. Apparently, it follows uh, three um, paranoid schizophrenic patients um, at the Ypsilanti State Hospital in Michigan uh, who believe that they are Jesus Christ. And so Richard Gere plays this doctor that wants to see what happens when we put them, all three of them, into a room at the same time. It sounds kind of like a sick joke at first, but then as you watch the trailer, like it's, it obviously is going to be pretty heartfelt. So what do you, what do you guys think? Um, looks interesting. Looks yeah. very interesting. I'm, I'm more intrigued the fact that Richard Gear is just right. come out of the dark and <laughs> out of the shadows and isn't a movie. Like, what was the last thing that he was in? Like I'm just I'll look it up. It looks like a tremendous movie to make your comeback, if you will. You know, like it looks like a nice role for him to sort of. And is this in? Is this in Oscar contendency? I don't. January that's 3rd, that's why. That's why I asked. No, why yes. when it's coming out? Because it right. looks like it could be an Oscar contender. But think, if it, if they're putting the, it out like a week after the eligibility ends, yes. That means it's junk. Yeah. Unless, unless, of course, it does release. Like, unless the date that we see is like a major release, right? But, and oh, they sneak. Yeah, out. You're, you're actually right because according to IMDb, um, so the last movie he was in was in 2017 called The Dinner, um, and then before that, in uh, he played Norman Oppenheimer uh, in a biopic in 2016. But uh, but Three Christ on according to IMDb is showing as 2017. Uh, as far as him in the movie, so I guess maybe it was it was an earlier release. Like, so then it a hundred percent will not be in contention. For well, then I guess yeah, yeah, right. So if it hasn't already with a cast like that, so what goes what went well, wrong in that movie? I'm, I'm, that I'm, I think it was an IFC film, which is they're predominantly known for doing more foreign sort of like financing of of films. So they right. they you know they'll do East Asian, they'll do European. Um, so you know. And that always finds its way over into the U.S. in some capacity or another. Um, yeah. it, it's, it looks interesting. Looks like, you know, I don't know if I'll go see it. Yeah. I'll probably wait to see what reviews say and then maybe stream it. Right. Yeah. I, I just like Peter Dinklage, Walton Goggins and Bradley Whitford, like all vying for for being Jesus Christ. Like it just seems like like those take my money phenomenal like character actors like we've talked about walton goggins in the past from uh when when he's on um uh, the righteous gemstones and so to to see him in this kind of it's it's pretty cool to just to see these three in the same scenes uh, just not something i i would expect so it's it's refreshing um and yeah we'll see how richard gear does on january 3rd 2020 our next trailer that we took a look at uh is antebellum uh, this is director, directed by Gerard Bush and Christopher Renz. It's from the producers of Get Out. Um, what did you guys think of this trailer, uh, Antebellum, in terms of didn't really give anything away? Is it no. a remake? Kevin, you mentioned that you thought that it might have, you've heard the name I thought before. I heard it attached to somebody, either a director or a writer, but. Yeah, Antebellum. Or maybe, like, is there like a punk rock? <laughs> well, Antebellum um, is in reference to a, a period of time, I believe, okay. in, in the American, during the American Civil War or during slavery. Which makes sense because um, I think that this is going to have I just do don't with... know how many commercial airliners flew over right. the, the fields. Well, and... so this is what I'm saying, right? So you get, the, you get that scene of them that, you know, they're obviously in some sort of cotton field or, or something like that and you see these, these slaves and they look up and they see a, a plane flying through. That, by the way, that plane moment I got lost vibes. Super losty vibes. <laughs> oh, 
Lindelof reference of the episode, right. yeah, folks. <laughs> but um, but yeah, no. For for those who might not have seen the trailer, uh, the description that I got off IMDb: a successful author Veronica finds herself trapped in a horrifying reality and must uncover the mind-bending mystery before it's too late. Well, I thought what was interesting is that like you're li- watching this like what looks to be period piece footage, and then you're hearing a nine one one call. Yeah. Right. So. There is this sort of displacement of time. Yeah. So I, that part was a little, like, it's intriguing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can all agree with trailers. The m- less information that's it's given better. to you, the better it is. Yeah. Because then you kind of, you're more intrigued with like with what that movie's going to be about. What don't people who cut these trailers together get that I'm more intrigued and more willing to go find out what something's about mm-hmm. than if you feel the need to tell me the whole bloody right. story, yeah. then what do I even need yeah. to go see That it character dies in the movie or like, Keanu Reeves is in the movie. Yeah. yeah. So like, I thought, I think they, they've done a really great job with this trailer, at least in, in going, you know, hmm. I'm intrigued enough that I would, I do want to see it. Yeah. I'm very interested. And in I mean, from the producers of get out, like it's a pretty good track record there. Right. So, um, yeah, I've never heard of, uh, of Gerard Bush or Christopher Renz in terms of what they might've done in the past. But, uh, but no, I think this this looks cool, looks mind-bending, looks freaky, looks scary at times. Um, I'm down. I'm interested to see. I'm, I'm wondering, though, like, another trailer comes out. Do we watch it or do we not? You know, do we want to maybe leave it at that, right? So um, I'll let you watch it and then tell me if it gives anything <laughs> away. Thanks in advance. Sure thing. Um, this next trailer that we watched, uh, much to Kevin's dismay, uh, was Cats. This is the, the latest trailer God. for Cats that dropped. Uh, but directed by Tom Hopper, starring everybody, uh, Taylor Swift, Idris Elba, Ian McKellen, Judy Dench, Rebel Wilson, Francesca Hayward, James Corden, and Jennifer Hudson. Did you say Taylor Swift? And Taylor Swift. Yeah, I did say Oh, okay. Okay. yeah, yeah. Um, what do you, I mean, not too long to wait now. December. I said I didn't want to see this, and you said, really? So <laughs> I got to ask you, you want to see this? Well, okay. Are you a fan of musicals, first question? First off, absolutely. I've never actually seen Cats. The I have. I saw it in... I went on a high school trip to London. Okay. Um, and they took us to see Cats. <laughs> of all the bloody shows we could have seen, Cats. And that alone made me not want to see it. Yeah. But now this is the aesthetic they've chosen. <laughs> Listen, if I wanted to see a bunch of hairy, naked people dancing around, <laughs> I'd go to a nude beach in Italy. <laughs> because this looks hor- Like, yeah. I don't want to see Judy Dench dancing around in a naked, human, <laughs> hairy body. Well, yeah. I think, ugh, and they're going to take off clothes and be naked. I, and, but are they naked? Because their fur is their... I, I don't care. It's awful. Well, I, I think the idea, too... <laughs> You know the, the the play itself also yeah. created sort of weirdness to it. Yeah, right? like when it, I, giant I giant people dressed as cats. People were freaking out about it, right? At first, but like then, you know, obviously the music and mm-hmm. and the story and all of these things and how the production is. But you know, I, I'm I'm big on a play should be a play. Yeah, uh, there's certain things that I think can find its way into, into cinema. Into cinema. Yeah, I'm wondering if this was one that would have been better as just left as a play mm-hmm. rather than it being pushed into like the cinematic world. I guess, I guess for me, maybe it's just the, the musical performances is what I'm, I'm kind of, I was kind of looking yeah, but forward then re-release to the, like do a new production of cats with those people. Right. I mean, like, we, that would have saw, been far more interesting. Well, I don't think you could get all those people to commit to doing, well, I don't know. Like look at uh, the little mermaid, right? Like, with, Oh, so you're saying a one time big on stage production. Yeah, exactly. Film. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. 
That might have been yes. might have been a better way to go about it. I just don't like these CGI bodies and faces. On ah man, I'm intrigued enough that like I don't know if if the reviews are good for it. I I might I might want the reviews go are going to be great because they're they literally it's it, from what I've heard yeah. from from people that have seen the play yeah because um, I unfortunately never did but um, <laughs> not unfortunate don't worry <laughs> <laughs> um, but what a lot of people are saying is that it it looks to be very much. A recreation of that yeah um well, again, people just love tom hooper's work like mm-hmm. what else has he done he does all the, the he did les miserables oh okay okay yeah, yeah. so he yeah so did he do phantom of the opera i mean the king's speech was really good yeah, yeah. stick to I don't, I don't like musicals yeah and i don't think they need and the to james the james corden uh like line at the end where he's like he starts hissing and stuff like that and felt, licking himself. Right, it's that, so slapsticky. And it felt it felt that that to me was like, is that James Corden riffing? Like, is that actually like how it, the writing's going to be in the movie? And it's Rebel Wilson smacking herself in the face, right, for stuff. the umpteenth like, time. Like, know. how many times have we seen? Yeah, no, I I mean, this trailer kind of made me not want to see it a, a, as much, but um, but I don't know. We'll 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 have to wait and see on that one to see if it's, I uh, hope it bombs. I, I, I don't yeah. usually wish ill will towards movies, yeah. but I hope this one well, bombs. I hope it's the perfect movie <laughs> to go see on uh, December 20th. Next up, we've got, actually, I think this is our last trailer, Avenue 5 on HBO. Hell yeah. Where did this one come from? Yeah, Hell, I, it's sick. It's interesting. I was like scrolling through trailers and scrolling and scrolling. And I was trying to find stuff and, and I just saw this, uh, I saw Hugh Laurie. And uh, as a like a space captain, and I was like, "What is that?" And then the moment I saw HBO, I stopped watching the trailer and then waited to watch it with you guys because because uh, yeah, this is this looks really cool. So it's it, Hugh Laurie, Susie Nakamura, um, who's from um, we've actually seen her recently on uh, Silicon Valley. Uh, she plays the um, the HR representative on Stu- Silicon Valley, and I think in this movie too, it she's almost, also yeah, it looks HR. very much like a yeah. similar role. Well, so this it's actually not a movie; it's a, a series on HBO, I believe, um, with Josh Gad and Zach Woods, also from Silicon Valley, uh, and Rebecca Front. Uh, this is following Space Captain Ryan Clark of the Avenue Five uh, as he tries to get along with the others in the space tourism industry. It's bas- it basically looks like a cruise ship in space, yeah. you know. It looks like a better version of like the Orville. Thank you. Right? That's what I was gonna say. Like so many, so many people have been like, dude, you have to watch past the first five episodes of the Orville. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's fantastic. I just I don't understand. I can't I can't get into it. But watching this trailer and then like seeing that it's from HBO, I'm like, this might be the right way to go about it. I don't know. Yeah, it looks good. Yeah. Oh, geez. Not much interest on uh, that side of the I, table. I just think I think it's uh you know, they pulled together a good cast. Yeah. Uh, Hugh Laurie, I haven't, you know, I miss him from the house days. Yeah. Um, so it's good to see him back in, in the acting, in the acting chops. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, HBO, I'll just, I, I don't know if the trailer really did much for me. Okay. Uh, Maybe wait m- for the next one. Well, just wait for the show. Yeah. Like, for me, at least it's January. like, it's like, I would like to, exactly. I would like to see what this show's about. Mm-hmm. They have like, really love- those three letters don't have you convinced that it's going to be good hbo doesn't no 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 i i I do think it's going to be good but it's just like i don't think the trailer really did anything for me cool well i mean we don't have too long to wait until we 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 watch that one but uh yeah i'm interested to see hugh laurie again kind of leading spearheading a show uh cool well that is it for trailer time uh we're gonna move into the news it's all about the details all right, so for our first news story, we now know 
the culprit behind who leaked the Star Wars Rise, the Rise of Skywalker script. Uh, this from Dirk Libby over at Cineblend, Cinema Blend, who reports, Earlier this week, we learned that the script for Star Wars The Rise of Skywalker ended up on eBay and had to be purchased back by Disney to avoid the script getting out. Um, did you guys hear about this? Yeah, I heard about it, but it didn't leak. It was the fact that that the person, the culprit, yeah. left it in their room under the bed, and then <laughs> someone was cleaning the room and found the script under the bed. But so, but then they decided to post and sell it on eBay. Yeah. Well, of course you're going to get caught. Absolutely. Yeah. Why? Unless that thing got swept up, and you know. But why wouldn't you immediately like take that and start making? multiple copies that like i don't, I don't know um do we did did you guys figure out who or well did you guys i had a, i had a suspicion of who it was going to be yeah. and it ended up being true yeah john boyega was the uh was the culprit he's the most likely one <laughs> for sure he's well, he he would seem like yeah. the kind of guy who would just be you know so chill with it right? yeah just chill and or, or he just you know misplaced it and, yeah. and you know what i mean like it's just like oh it's you know maybe i left it at on on set that's where it is and it literally with, it's with all the bed. the non-disclosures and all right. these things you would be like carrying that around yeah. on your is person he not planning on working with disney anymore or like when or lucasfilm like what is he like done you know like i'm like to 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 be able to mess that up um but yeah he was on gma and he's like it's like yeah some of my you know my boys came over and uh and we, you know, we got to partying, and and it's just like, yeah. So see that that that's perfect. Like, yeah, that's the exact example that I was expecting. Yeah. is like, yeah, you know, I was hanging out with some friends, and uh, <laughs> you know, just you know, one thing led to the other, and I was leaving, and uh, I yeah, completely forgot much, my script. Yeah, how much did uh, Disney end up having to pay for it? Well, this is the this is the best part is that the uh, the script was listed on eBay. I guess the person that found it had no idea what they were doing because it was listed on eBay for sixty five pounds. <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> yeah, and it makes sense because I could have owned the script. It, and then did <laughs> yeah, it start I, I a bidding war, or it's it started to yeah it started to and then Disney came in with a with a cease and desist and, okay. and stopped that. Okay. So I don't I don't even know if they had to pay the yeah. sixty five. You, th- you think if if you could prove that you were buying back stolen property, you wouldn't end up having to pay? No, for you wouldn't it, have right? to pay for it. But yeah. like it, I think it's funny too is that like <laughs> it was on eBay and they probably reacted. But I wonder how many people would have looked at it and been like, that's a fake. Yeah, who's, oh, who's trying to who's yeah. trying to who's trying to pawn off some? Yeah. especially so, at like that you're going to spend sixty five pounds right. just to get a script, and then oh, it's 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 the script, and then what if you read it and it's like, but this doesn't happen. Why yeah. is why is this person here? Yeah, this, yeah, yeah, right. So yeah, yeah, Anakin Skywalker is the first person to talk in the script, and you're like, what's going? Nah, um, but like, Ooh. is well, maybe <laughs> who knows? We I think the first word was given out on uh, on one of the late night talk shows. Uh, it was I think the first word is that. I believe, if I'm not mistaken. And why people get so excited for the, <laughs> the first, first word. F- friggin' word. Come on, man. I'm already speaking. Who right? said it? It's where okay. are they saying it? Ooh. No. Um, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. Thanks less, a lot, John Boyega, for almost uh, ruining... Less than a month. Star Wars. We're less than a month we're away. Like, we're like 24 days, I yeah. think. Oh No, less than... less than. What are we? The 18th? No, we'll see the 19th? Yeah. And so, they, well, the interesting 20, part is they, 23 days. they just finally wrapped filming. So, um, no, they so, just wrapped. They wrapped post. Or sorry, they wrapped post production. So it's, yeah, it's done. just now. Just like a twenty-three days, days from release. Yeah, but that, that seems pretty close. Dude, no? there's movies that wrap product post production like a week or less really? before it's actually That's circulated. Crazy. How many like twenty-four hour days 
are going on but I, in, in that situation. Yeah. You know, you're working literally every hour of every day to make sure you get that sucker done. This this movie definitely had the wiggle room, though. It wasn't like The Force Awakens, which was like smash, smash, smash. We got to get this out kind of thing. They had sort of leeway time. Right. They did reshoots back in October, and then um, that wrapped pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, so for them to be complete and, you know, post-production is done and, you know, maybe it's just visual effects stuff or sound stuff. And I hope so. The last little bit about reshoots and well, yeah, reshoots aren't a bad thing though. Everyone right. freaks out about reshoots. You know, it, it, it comes down to like, you know, with rogue one, yeah. when they had to do reshoots, it was like 60% of the movie or 40% of the movie. Yeah. Uh, one of the two, but like, that's, that's a lot of reshoots. That's like, okay, there's a problem with the story. We need mm-hmm. to reshoot it. Whereas like, oh, you know what? This scene didn't work out. Let's add that to our reshoot list. So we can kind of round that out. That's okay, always fine. That. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what reshoots are. For. They're yeah. always built into schedules. I mean, have you guys like read anything about potential spoilers? Or I have. Poten- I've uh, stayed away. I try to, and then yeah. I look at them, and no, I'm, some of the things I've heard, it better not be true. I, exactly. Oh. Well, that's the thing. I did that for the Force Awakens, and I was just like, no, like Han Solo is the dad of Rey, and I'm like immediately, and I was like, no, but um, but yeah, it's got a. Uh, they actually came in with the runtime. Finally announced is 141 minutes, two hours um, and 35. Is that, I guess that's how that works. It's the longest one. Um, well, apparently, no. Apparently, the longest one is Jedi. Or, sorry, The Last Jedi um, at 152 minutes. So, apparently, this is oh, okay. shorter. That's, the shorter. But that's two and yeah. a half hours there. Right. 141 would be two hours and 21 minutes. Correct. Yes. Okay. So, well, because oh, okay. you're right, Justin. That was the time that was originally uh, oh, put out by John Williams' brother or something like that yeah. who announced that. But, uh, but no, it, uh, Abrams was on, uh, was in an interview and he said himself. So, yeah. So, I mean, you know, add that on to our, our marathon of movies that we're going to be watching and, uh, We'll know how much sleep we have. 5 p.m. on uh, <laughs> December 19th. We'll That's be watching it. this movie. So and we'll instantly be uh, posting spoilers. Immediately. No. <laughs> Immediately. All to YouTube. Um, no. So our next news story. Um, I know everyone has been starved for Baby Yoda merch. Uh, and Baby Yoda merch is officially here. And unlike Baby Yoda... It's terrible. Uh, this from Vinny Mancuso from Collider. Uh, he writes, Baby Yoda merch is now available and it sucks mudhorn eggs. Uh, in a whopper of a decision, Disney and Lucasfilm opted to sort of just slap uh, recently released concept art onto whatever uh, because it seems it seems even a mega corporation has to hire the local t-shirt shop to kind of crop the art it had lying around in time for Christmas. Can I get a set of golf balls with that picture on it? Order me one of those. Right? Like I'll take I'll take a mouse pad too. Thank you. It seems like that's what they've got on. Like we were looking at the images for this, and it's just like what like. What? Are we? I'd be that. Are you, do you want any of that stuff? Well, I no. I, I want all of the, the 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 baby Yoda merch except for that crap. <laughs> no, but I I think they're just. It's very clear yeah. that they didn't really anticipate the popularity of Baby Yoda uh, being such a high mm-hmm. desirable like, merch. It, it's nuts. Well, well, it's it's crazy how how big it's gotten. But they're also trying to capitalize on Christmas. Well, hold on a second. But though. yeah, but like I was gonna bring this up in our. You know, in in Watch Club, Watch Club, but I think we'll talk about it now cause, just because it's so relevant. Like, it's so crazy how popular this character is, yeah. and people are kind of hypocrites. Hey, eh? what do you think about the Ewoks? Oh, they're nothing but toy selling <laughs> crap. Oh, and the Porgs—that's just the new version. Yeah. Oh my God, look at Baby Yoda! I want to buy all of the Baby Yoda stuff, and it's like, wait a minute, didn't don't you hate Ewoks? It's for, you true, know? but. I- Disney, the merchandise king, Star Wars, the ultimate right. merchandising property, and they did not expect well, this. So hold on, so they should have had toys and 
But hold on. Do you think Disney failed with this rollout or or are you maybe impressed that they believe so heavily in keeping Baby Yoda a secret for the sake of storytelling? Well, like, was this John Favreau being like, please, Disney, you don't please. Have to re- you didn't, they didn't have to pre-release it, but they should have been ready for it better than were, some you know, half-assed t-shirts. But you t-shirts. know if they were making that stuff something, leaks. that stuff would have leaked. 100%. Like, that's how we found, like, all the Lego sets that get leaked that we know about certain scenes and things from upcoming Star Wars films, like, that's... That would have happened. There would have been a little baby Yoda something that would have leaked out and people would have been freaking out then and not at the time of the release. If that's the case, then I understand. But I think this really just comes down to one thing. They, to your point, they didn't reveal it, right? They kept it a secret. And now that people are all gung-ho about this baby Yoda, they're like, oh, well, it's Christmas. Uh, You know, it's going to be busy shopping period time. We we should get some merch out. Like, people are going to want this stuff, right? I just think they should have known this and been ready for it. But that doesn't mean mean to say that, like, they don't have plans for, like, in the new year for merch, right? Like, I can... Oh, we're going to see more things. I'm stoked to see a Funko Pop of baby Yoda. Funko Pop, sure. My favorite concept so far. It actually came from an artist... Jared? Uh, Jared Mariyama. Oh, yeah. We've done uh, a couple fun boxings with his hipster Mickey and Minnie products. Yeah. And he did this concept for a balloon. Yeah. Um, and so you would have the egg okay. with the back and everything, and then the front would be clear, yeah. and there'd be a baby Yoda inflated inside That's of it. That's pretty impressive. So you're literally walking around with the egg floating beside. Get that to Disney There World would be right 100,000 of those in the park every <laughs> single day. Absolutely. Like, that was the coolest thing I've seen. That's but awesome. But now let's get some drone technology and give me a plastic floating bloody baby Yoda <laughs> that I can just or walk even, around with me. Or even just like a, a floating magnetized desk toy. I mean, it's, it's all going to be here you know but um i did find it interesting the marketing for this though that they on their official website it's revealed as the child merchandise so it's like they're not even calling it baby yoda because it's it's not yoda or it it can't be yoda and then not only that but yoda well we just don't know yet right don't know you can't you can't classify it as baby yoda if that's where you're going correct right right and then and then not only that though but like Yoda's species hasn't been revealed, so they can't call it, you know, a baby gublar or whatever, whatever baby right, right. Yoda. You know. Whatever they end up calling this thing, though, yeah, you know, unless it gets a name, yeah, it's never going to be the baby gublar. It's never going to be the child. Right. Nobody will ever call this thing anything but baby Yoda until it gets an actual physical an actual name. name. Yeah, yeah. Even though I think, I think, you know, looking at it, the Mandalorian, the client, the child. Like these naming that conventions works. are seeming okay. to work okay. quite well in the show, and maybe maybe even though Pedro Pascal revealed uh, the Mandalorian's name, um, which for spoilers I won't I won't divulge. But uh, did you do you know what it is? Din. Yeah, yeah. I I'll saw I saw it online. Din Jaren. Um, you know, maybe he's never called that, right? Maybe he is just the Mandalorian. Maybe he is just the child. But we'll talk a little bit more about the Mandalorian in our Watch Club. Um, but uh, let's get to our our next news story. Elizabeth Banks is set to direct and star in Invisible Woman for the universe, uh, for Universal. Uh, this is from Justin Kroll over at Variety who writes, Elizabeth Banks is set to direct and star in Invisible Woman for Universal, which is based on her own pitch. Plot details are kept under wraps, but sources say Banks, uh, Banks's pitch is very different from The Invisible Man, which is coming out in February that stars another Elizabeth, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Moss. Um, and apparently there's no crossover potential on either film. Uh, so what do you guys think? Is this the right direction to go with these licenses now that, you know, now that these movies aren't going to be part of an interconnected universe from Universal? I think it's, um, I think it's telling that the, the pitch must have gone well. Yeah. Um, and I think to hear that there's not going to be a crossover 
Uh, that's because the Invisible Man is going to suck. Oh no! And oh, it's going to be garbage. <laughs> we talked about that trailer. Yeah, it's not going to be very good. Ago. Yeah, like, but so if they're, you know, they've made this movie, they've put it out, and then all of a sudden she comes to them with this wholly original and completely, and they're like, yeah, sure, we'll do that too. You know, I think it speaks to the quality, the potential quality of this pitch. Yeah, and the fact that this Invisible Man is going to suck. Yeah. You know, it's just going to be another crappy generic horror movie. Whereas mm. it, it, this being completely different, I think. I can see it having a lighter, almost dark comedy spin on it versus a pure, crappy stock horror movie. Right, because not only are they are they making this movie in lieu of the fact that that other one is coming out, but yeah, to your point, if there's no crossover potential, then obviously, because obviously they like to make money, so they would have well, had that's... that happen if they ha- if they had if they believed that the Invisible Man was actually good. Yeah, but that's that's the thing, right? Like they wanted to do this whole dark universe thing, and yeah. you know they set it up with. The Tom Cruise mummy film, which was like a bombshell, was like absolutely horrible. Um, and I think that they just took a different direction. They have all these properties mm-hmm. under their belt and they're not doing anything with it. Yeah. So they're just rotating them out. They're yeah. handing them off to filmmakers that they they have. Yeah. And they're saying, okay, screw this dark universe idea. Let's just go back to telling these individual stories about these you know, iconic, horrific characters, yeah. right? Like, I think there's talks of a Frankenstein film. Yeah, I think I've heard about uh, that yes. as well. And, and a Wolfman, yeah. you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And, like, those are, like, you know, that would have been amazing if they did The Mummy well and, you know, Wolfman and Frankenstein. Well, yeah, a, we, 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 Dr. Jekyll and Hyde, I think, is uh, there's a do, There's a Dracula's henchman yep, uh, Dracula. film called Renfield, which is actually from the Rocketman director, Dex, uh, Dexter Fletcher. Um, so, I mean... But, but to your point, yeah. Justin, you said like they're they're like I think you're very right in the sense that with like, Invisible Man, they're like we just need somebody to give us an Invisible Man script so we can make this movie. Where it almost sounds like Elizabeth Banks came up with the idea On and her. brought it to them. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Which I think you know that's how you make good stuff. Mm-hmm. You don't force <laughs> ideas. You have ideas come to you. Good ideas that somebody comes up with not because they're they have to and it's a gig. It's because it's a genuine idea that they have in their head that then they you know, present to you. Right. Like all of these, okay, we need a star Wars, uh, trilogy, uh, you know, so you're going to be the director. You have a year to write the script and film it. Let's go. Yeah. You're like, no, wait till somebody like John Favreau comes to you and goes, I want to make this bounty hunter show. Yeah. That's where good content comes from. Seems like it. And I mean, as far as like these, these solo non interconnected movies, it, it seems to make sense for, for, like, you know, we're watching, We again, we talked a little bit in our last episode about the Joker and and how, you know, DC keeps wanting to make, with the new Batman movie being an ensemble film of all these villains, they keep wanting to make these ensemble or these team-up movies. So Universal's probably looking at that and saying, nah. Yeah, exactly. They're they're taking a look at what everyone else is doing and saying, well, what, what, is that really the right way for us to approach it? Like, maybe yeah. we just take a different step because, mm-hmm. you know, it's not all about doing ensemble universe building sort of stuff yeah, it right? can't be it yeah. can't all it can't all be that way what right? i find most surprising is that given what happened with charlie's angels a holy you know elizabeth banks production you know yeah. from writing directing starring in yeah. that instantly they're announcing this big elizabeth banks project it's you know um it's just i find that quite surprising and it's yeah. it it's she, nice to see that uh, that this charlie's angel thing didn't destroy her career well it right. seems like she needs a, a win right now yes so this is definitely well, because that i mean that it tanked right like it seven yeah. ten million dollars in the opening weekend. which is 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 like 
I don't even understand how, you know, as a production company, you've invested probably anywhere between 150 to $200 million for this movie. Yeah. And only to get a return of $10 million on opening weekend. It'll probably come in worldwide once all is said and done at 30. Yeah. 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 Like no. 30 is going to be a huge disaster. Yeah. This it, movie was nowhere. It sounds to me like, I mean, again, from what we've, what we've seen in it, um, yeah, the marketing was just... It was terrible. non-existent, essentially, we and that and that 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 which did exist was, yeah. didn't sell me on it. I remember that. I think the three of us went and saw a movie. I can't remember which one, but that trailer played, and we literally at the end of it all looked at each other and been like, "What a hot piece Mess. of garbage yeah. that was!" Yeah. It just was so over the top, and just too to so typical yeah. of that kind of movie. You know, if Elizabeth Banks is coming in to do Invisible Woman with a new approach, mm-hmm. you know, a new concept. All power to her. I'm I'm look forward to seeing what that's going to look like. Yeah. But that was definitely not what was brought to Charlie's Angels, and I, I haven't seen the movie. And now I do want to see it just to see how horrible it is <laughs> to solidify exactly my my statements of it looked like crap. Hmm. Well, speaking of terrible marketing campaigns, um, I thought maybe for this week's topic of the show we do something a little bit different. Um, so. First, let's move into this week's topic of the show. So, yeah, so for this week's topic of the show, um, I thought we would maybe take a look at our top three favorite marketing campaigns. Um, given that the marketing for Charlie's Angels, as we said, was not great, um, that, uh, that there was a, a huge missed opportunity there. It kind of got me thinking about Maybe some ideas for uh, for topic of the show this week being yeah our top three favorite marketing campaigns that really stuck with us that really sort of resonated with us and and either made us want to buy the thing watch the thing or uh, or have anything to do with the thing that it's marketing so um, so yeah we're gonna kind of go maybe around the table for this discussion I would love to start with uh, the crumpet killer Kevin. Oh, sorry, I'm just finishing the crumpet oh, here. Enjoy. Um, I want to give honorable mention because uh, I was reading. I was I was trying to get some ideas to sort of make me go, "Oh yeah, that was good," or "That was good." So I, I found out about uh, Psycho mm-hmm. and how Hitchcock so brilliantly marketed this movie. It's a cool story. Uh, just the way he knew he had an incredible twist that he didn't want to get spoiled, right? And so, um, you know, to keep the fact that his lead character was going to die 25 minutes into the movie <laughs> a real shock for those seeing it yeah you know he had script secrecy prevented media appearances and all that thing all that sort of thing and not only did it preserve the secret but it built up this overwhelming hype and you know people just needed to see what was so secretive and and why he was being so secretive <laughs> secretive about this movie and it ended up building up the mystique of the movie before it even came out and then, of course, it delivered on that and, you know, audiences watching it, you know, not imagine seeing that movie and not knowing what happens in the shower scene. Yeah. It would have not only would it have been horrifying. Right. But it would have been shocking as hell. And how many people would be talking about it afterwards, You right? know, like it was. Yeah. So I just thought that was a really cool, brilliant strategy on his part. Um to do that sort of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, we were talking about how movie trailers giving stuff away, right? Like, he intentionally kept this as a way to sort of get people talking. And yeah, I think that's, uh, that's a good one. Cool. Um, but so no, my number three, sorry, oh, I just... That was your get, honorable that mention. That was my honorable okay. mention. Um, number three is a lot more personal. Obviously, I wasn't around for the psycho marketing. You weren't? I mean, no, you're pretty old. Yeah, okay, okay <laughs> there. Um, 
So I chose, I went with Phantom Menace. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah, being a, you know, 13, 14 year old kid. Yeah. Um, you know, I had just gone and seen all the re-releases over the last two or three years in theaters. Yeah. Um, and just, I just, I was ready for this movie. So, I mean, A, doing the re-releases, one every six months or whatever it was, leading up into a new Star Wars so movie. Smart. Brilliant. Yeah. Um, and then you started seeing the toys on the shelves about a month or two out. Yeah. And it was like, what is that pod racer thing? And who is this Jar Jar Binks <laughs> character? And this Darth Maul guy How looks cool. How were you for Jar Jar Binks? I was okay. I didn't know. He's the next Chewbacca. You know, exactly. Yeah, um, yeah. And it was like, for me and Justin, it was going to Taco Bell and Pizza Hut, collecting <laughs> these plastic cups with giant characters on them. Yeah. I don't know where those went, man. Oh, for the collector man. that I am, and I don't have those anymore, it's yeah. devastating yeah. to me. Um, but like that got us into it. Yeah. You know, and then Justin waiting in line outside of the theater and like a month before the movie came out to get tickets or whatever it was. Like all of those elements built together right, to, to create a hype I I haven't felt for a movie until Force Awakens. Yeah. So yeah, that, that's that's like my nostalgic marketing, you know. Yeah. And I think I think to 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 Lucasfilm's credit and Fox's credit, like they or I guess, well, yeah, the fact that they were able to build up that same or similar level of hype, I would say, for Force Awakens in a world where we've got, like, the internet. <laughs> like, I, you know, looking back, obviously we had the internet when when episode one came out, but it was just, there. I don't remember, it wasn't as prevalent. Well, the internet just wasn't as accessible. I remember, like, dial-up and, and stuff like that. Yeah, like, yeah. it just wasn't, it wasn't as immediate, right? No, it, it right. was, you, the first you could trailer. go onto the internet for half an hour yeah. when your mom lets you, <laughs> and you would go into your computer room yes. to right. go onto the computer, <laughs> you know, not walking down the street watching yeah. something, you know. I remember yeah. downloading the first, like, not downloading, but trying to stream, I think, episode one, like, yeah. the trailer on uh, a dial-up connection, and it was such a pain, and I had to leave it. I'm pretty sure that was episode one. But it yeah. was. It, I just remember having to wait for it to finish yeah. so I could actually watch it in full. Um, but yeah, you're right. Like The internet just wasn't as accessible. It wasn't as fast. It wasn't as immediate. Mm -hmm. It was still something that was new at the time that uh, Phantom Menace came out. Yeah, yeah, so they did it in other ways. Mm -hmm. You know, they did it in... in Again, through merchandising, and right. you know, we've talked Star Wars merchandising. Where the hell are the well, baby like, Yoda toys? <laughs> you dummies! Still bugging them, still bugging them. You know, when we th when we think about it too, is like they really did rely heavily on like television, right? Mm -hmm. Like even now, when they do the television spots, like for how they did with uh, Rise of Skywalker, they've done it actually for all of them, Last Jedi and, and the Force Awakens. It's it's always the Monday Night Football trailer reveal, right? Um, you know, a reason to get people to tune in. Yeah, I, I remember on Fox they did that a couple times on like. You know, the Sunday nights when they had the most audience watching like Simpsons and King of the Hill and all those things, um, they would they would do, oh, stay tuned for uh, an exclusive first look at The Phantom Menace, right? So that mm -hmm. was kind of like the way that you got your trailers, right? Yeah. And your, your marketing. So it's interesting to see how, how we've evolved. I so miss much. it. I kind of miss that, you know, the going to a movie theater and not knowing what we're going to see. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Justin, what is your number three marketing campaign? I would say my number three is Cabin in the Woods. Oh, okay. Explain. I thought that that movie was sold in a way that it was a very much a haunted house mm -hmm. horror film. Yeah. But obviously when you go and watch the movie, 
it has those elements, right. but it's not entirely that. We've talked about this. Yeah, yeah, in, in our Halloween detail. episode. Yeah, they, when you mentioned the topic, that was one of the movies that stood out where it was just sold differently. Yeah. Um, and the Similar to like the, what you were saying with uh, Psycho. Yes, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. It, the misdirect. Yeah. It's a misdirect. So to me, that's what good marketing is. Yeah. Well, uh, and I think the marketing for that also benefited from, even though the movie was made before Thor, mm-hmm. it came out after Thor. And mm-hmm. so you had a name. Yep. Mm. In that movie, which really True. helped people. Yeah, oh, I'll go connected. see that Chris yeah. Hemsworth oh, yeah. horror movie or right. whatever, you know. Yeah, be okay, yeah exactly. Cool. Yeah, there yeah. you go, right? Like, you, you, enough right there. Yeah. And, but even even though, like, let's say they didn't have Chris Hemsworth and they, they still went on the, the plan of, like, really just selling this as, like, a, you know, a very typical sort of take on a, a horror trope, if you will. Yeah. Um, you know, you go into the theater and you, you see those elements and you get into that and then it just become, unravels to become something entirely different. You know, I thought that was really smart. It I was think refreshing. That's a great, yeah, it is. And, and I was I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I think that was what uh, what really stood out to me. When we, I was when surprised we, by it. Well, when you mentioned the concept of um, misdirection in marketing, you know, I immediately think of of the Avengers. Right. And seeing scenes in the trailer that like, well, we never actually got or, you know, even in, uh, you know, we talk about Rogue One getting those reshoots and like, where did those scenes go? Right. So just as far as the right way to misdirect your audience, I think you're absolutely right. I think Cabin of the Woods killed it. Uh, my number three marketing campaign uh, would have to be for Pokemon, the first movie. Um, you guys talked about uh, getting the opportunity to go to Taco Bell and collect the uh, the the characters on the cups and things like that. Uh, I thought that the gold Pokemon cards. <laughs> did you guys ever get pick any of those? I've up? got I've got a page or two in my my card binder. Right. <laughs> so so these the there were these gold uh like solid like not solid gold but they were like gold plated. Oh, I don't get I didn't get any yeah. of those. Okay. Oh, okay. So You're the ultimate I've actually, card collector. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a few of them in my house somewhere, um, but they're these these gold plated Pokemon cards that I remember going to Taco Bell and thinking like or I don't even know if it was I think it was Taco Bell going there and thinking like how are they doing this how are they giving away gold like it doesn't make any sense like and I was like obviously I'm a little kid right so I don't really know that it's not real gold but I'm like the, it's so heavy it feels like real it's gold like. I, how this is going to be worth so much money. So I remember going to try to collect them and, and get them. And um, that was a, that was such a good, a good moment. And beyond that, even just the, the um, we went and saw detective Pikachu. And uh, when we saw detective Pikachu at a lot of theaters, they were giving away Pokemon cards. And I remember for one of my birthdays, I had stood up in front of my entire class and announced to my class, all of you are invited to my birthday and I didn't tell my parents oh, that this was happening. This. And they found out from a parent that asked them about it like two days before or a day before. And so they're like, they were not expecting for all these cars to show up with all these little kids to have to plan this huge party. And uh, God bless my parents. They knocked it out of the park. They did it, eh? We, t- Pokemon, the first movie, I told everyone that's what we were going to go see. So they found a way to get us to our local theater in Aurelia to go see it. And uh, and they they handed out these ancient Mew cards, and I still have that one, right? Yeah, I and, still have uh, that one because one of my brothers had their birthday party at the at movie, the, yeah. exactly, yeah. right? And so they the theater attendant was awesome. They gave out you know one with every little snack pack that the kids got, right? But my favorite moment, and this is probably where this marketing campaign sort of sticks with me in terms of giveaways and you know additional Pokemon things. My 
all the kids go home. I, I open the last gift. A phenomenal birthday. I really struck gold by inviting my entire <laughs> class to my birthday party. I had one of those. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and my dad says, you know what, buddy? I got one more thing for you. And he comes out with a bag, a grocery bag filled with these ancient Mew cards. <laughs> I guess I guess they had leftovers that the theater gave them to give out. And he just kept all of them. Nice. So, like, you know, to be fair, all the kids got them. But I got 40 of them. So, it was a <laughs> fantastic moment. And so, do you yeah. have any left? I have a few left. Nice. I have a few left. Yeah. you got to find me one of those gold Yo, ones. I'll I want to see that. After we're done recording, nice. I can show it to you. Absolutely. Nice. Uh, Kevin, what is your number two marketing campaign? So this one's a little bit more recent. I think Deadpool had some of the best marketing like out there. Oh, yeah. Um, like that movie just, it killed it. From the, the the billboard with the, you know, the skull, the poop emoji, and the L, you know. Um, so good. It's then like they Deadpool did, wrote the marketing campaign himself. Essentially, because it, it was so fourth, you know, fourth wall breaking yeah. in your face. And it was like, we'd never really had so much fun with a character that would do that with us, you know. And there's all the holiday marketing they did for, for basically a year. Yeah. It started with uh, an April Fool's one. Then they had a Mother's Day one, you know, the mother effer. <laughs> uh, they had one for Halloween. They yeah. did one for Thanksgiving where he's lying, you know, uh, very sexy Jeff Goldblum on the table. Right. Gets, gets stuff. <laughs> um, Christmas, they released a 69-minute long video of a burning bag of poop and called it the pool log. Um, so you know, Valentine's Day, and they released all these Nicholas Sparks-style posters. Yeah. Um, so that was amazing. They did, like, a leaked script mm-hmm. that Deadpool had obviously gotten, and he was doing his own rewrites on it and everything like that like it was and and they did it for a year basically you know right up until the the trailer where he's sitting on the bridge and how much do you think ryan reynolds had to do with some of those i think he had a lot to do with it (laughs) well it recently came out in the news that uh part of the reason why the director uh left deadpool 2 was because Mm -hmm. of the control that ryan reynolds had over really and he really was uh he he holds the character was that miller Yes. Yeah. Um, and who's also now gone on a rant about working with James Cameron for Terminator. So, because oh, he did Terminator, if I'm not the new one. Oh, did he? Yeah. So he he left that and then went to do Terminator. Um, but anyways, uh, I think you're right. The marketing campaign felt more as if it was it was derived from Deadpool. Like he was marketing. He was movie. he was. I'm he gonna was make him. You know. Yeah. And that's, that's I've got that, a ten percent percent stake in this movie, and I'm gonna exactly. make my money. You know? And that's and that's perfect because of who his character is yeah. and, and how he is in the movie, uh, it makes sense. And that's that's good marketing. You know, when you can kind of pull in those those eccentric sort of elements from your film and then incorporate it into the marketing that helps push it in the right direction, I think that's you know, it wasn't strong. That, it wasn't the generic comic book movie poster and and trailer that's just, you know, music and, and it was brilliant. Yeah. It was, and it fun. Yeah. And and made you want to go see it. And Absolutely. isn't that the point? That's the whole point. Oh, very cool. Justin, what is your number two? Um, my number two is actually, I don't know if, if you could classify it as one film, but it would be the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Oh, Every wow. single movie, yeah. if you think about it, is part of a larger marketing campaign. Yeah, Like so. a lot of people talk about like Avengers, the success of Avengers, uh, right. this onslaught film uh, with all these characters. Now, if they had started with that... Um, it would have been Justice League. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would have been something more like Justice League. But the reality is, is that, you know, you've, you've established Iron Man. You've established uh, Captain America, uh, Thor, um, and sorry, Incredible Hulk as well. Throughout all the movies before Avengers, um, you've, you've been slowly marketing mm-hmm. towards this ensemble 
cast film. So I think that the movie itself, Avengers, was sold as a very like the marketing for it was very traditional, right? Yeah. Uh, but if we think about the big bigger picture, all the movies that have kind of led to these ensembles, they've all served as a piece of marketing to help push right. that. And if even if we look at now the more recent ones like Infinity War and Endgame leading into those films, again, you could easily say that all of those films are marketed to help push towards this big ensemble story. And yeah. that's not to say that they aren't like, like that they were made for the purpose of getting to a, a, those big movies but they end up serving as that along the way oh, yeah. and they took their time right yeah, you thankfully know, yeah well because 2008 was when uh uh iron man came out mm -hmm. um and then i think to 2009 uh is when uh the hulk came out mm -hmm. so like you know then they had thor and then they did mm -hmm. captain america but th there was a big gap in between thor and captain america didn't come out till well after Iron Man 2. Yeah. So, you know, again, it just kind of goes to show that, like, your films can also serve a purpose of marketing something much bigger. Interesting. So, yeah, I, I would say those, uh, the Avengers, let's just say the, the MCU. Avengers. Yeah, the MCU as a whole. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a marketing beast. It's massive. Cool. Um, my number two would be iRobot. Uh, now, before, yeah, you know, I'm getting some eyebrows, but. Is that um, the one with Will Smith? Will Smith. Yeah. yeah so, the Will Smith iRobot movie. I was in, I was a little younger at the time, and uh, I remember seeing. I didn't even see the trailer first. The first thing that I ever saw for iRobot in a movie theater was a big banner ad that had it said iRobot on it, and I didn't see anything on the on the big banner that said anything in, in regards to a movie, a release date, or anything. It just said uh, pre-order yours today, and it gave a website. And it was so incredible because I got home, you know, we were talking about going into the computer room, loaded up this website that was a website almost like how you would pre-order like a Cybertruck, like on, on Tesla's website. It was a space where you can customize and pre-order and get all the way to the pre-order page where you're about to buy it, um, a robot from iRobot. And I, I remember thinking, this is incredible. This is, this is a real... Again, duped just like I was with the gold bars, but but uh, but I remember thinking like this is a real robe. Like I can't wait to own this. This is like this is phenomenal. The, the, the detail they went in with their website, like the pricing and everything. I was like, there's no way we're gonna be able to afford it, but I know, I know, I still need to try and pre-order it. <laughs> and I just remember getting all the way through the website and then getting to the end of it and just said like, we'll email you or something like that. Like you put in your email and then obviously it was just a way for you to get updates on the film, but but. For the short, brief period of time before I realized it was a movie, it had me. It had me in. And and then so going to see the movie, you know, um, afterwards, understanding, figuring out that it's not a real thing and it's Will Smith. I just remember being so enamored with that world and with the the future, uh, the sci-fi future that they set out and being so enamored with the character of Sonny and, and as if like, I was like, that could have been my robot, like. My, That's brilliant. My iRobot. I never, I never heard of this. You never I, saw that. I right? missed that one. That's yeah. clever, man. It was I like so that. smart. And to, to not put any of the you know information on the poster, like what a daring thing to do for for that studio to be like just just you know just find your own way into understanding what this is. Um, so yeah, that that's my uh, that's my number two. A little short but sweet, but yeah, I like that one. So that leads into the, very nicely into my number one, and oh, I know perfect. Justin is definitely on the same page as me with this one in mm -hmm. terms. Uh, so I honestly think this might be the best 
internet marketing of a movie ever. Mm -hmm. And it also simultaneously invented, you know, viral marketing for movies. Of course, I'm talking about Blair Witch. Oh, my gosh. Blair Witch. I was thinking it while you were talking about Psycho. Okay. Yeah. And, I was like, and this was the one, as soon as we came up with the topic for today, I, that was an easy one. The other yeah. two I had to sort of think, this was like, no, this is, and it's funny because it wasn't so good that it made me have to see it. Right. It was so darn good that it was like, I am never seeing that <laughs> movie ever, ever, ever. Yeah. Again, it basically invented, you know, internet viral marketing. The creators, a year out, made a website dedicated to the lore of the Blair Witch. Wow just setting it up as this urban legend that had existed for decades and decades. Yeah, um, this found footage. Yeah, and it sat there for like almost a year until the movie itself was announced. Really? And then people discovered this site, yeah. looking it up, and, but it wasn't made for the movie. Because this is a thing, been? you it's know. It's been there for a year. Um, and, they, and they had people sneak into forums yeah. and, you know, for urban legends and talk about the Blair Witch no as if it was way. this story that people knew. Oh. Um, they went around to uh, college campuses yeah. and hung up missing posters of the actors that are in the movie. Jeez. Um, and Jeez. then even, how do you get away with that? Even on IMDb, what? even on IMDb, the profiles of the three actors listed them as missing or dead. No. Like the people themselves. <laughs> So this, but then, like, were people not like trying to like work with the police or like? Oh well, if authorities are working on the case. Authorities are investigating, wow. and so for even years after it came out, people yeah. still no, that's real. Like they did such a good oh job of making you gosh. think this was potentially a real. It was found footage, you know, wow. not paranormal style. Well, it's where it's you know it's found. But this was like you're watching these kids found footage and they die in front of you on, you know, so I remember people at school talking about this Blair witch. Even after the movie came out, it was still not like people were still going, that that might be real. That might be real. But especially leading into it, it was like, this is a real story. And they, and so I remember kids at school talking about it and like wanting to go see this movie about this, this potentially true story. And I was just like, I'm staying the hell. <laughs> it took us years to finally yeah. watch it. And we watched it in broad daylight in the middle of the afternoon. In hindsight, it helps to set up that that film just because it's it is such a raw, gritty found footage. Like it kind of set the precedence for found footage films where it's docu style, right? But it's like definitely fictional. Yeah, but it feels so real. Yeah, um, and I think that their campaign for that was was brilliant because yeah. it it fed into this idea putting the missing posters out that's and crazy talk about a payoff eh? i think it made five thousand times its budget holding 250 million dollars which Jeez. was really big for a yeah hundred thousand dollar movie that's or whatever right. they wouldn't it was. have to spend any money on it well, no well they, they 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 probably what did they spend on it probably i can't even i guess the majority of whatever they spent went to the right market. but like here's well, here's and defeating the actors while they sure. tormented them for real in the woods, woods to, to yeah. elicit fear Jeez. and but see that's that's where this is like a prime example you don't need to throw a lot of money at the production right throw a lot of money at the marketing and the marketing will but, do the work. But I don't even know how much even that kind of marketing, you know, a website domain and yeah. a pretty basic website. Yeah. Some some posters that you yeah, stick up. Yeah, but you still got to get people to monitor. You got to still get people to actually yeah. keep but up this isn't the, the Nowadays, they, they're spending $50, 60000000 million to market a movie. Right. I yeah. guarantee they yeah, didn't that, spend more than ten or 20000 you know? Right. Probably. And it's like how, how you know, a float in the Macy's Day Parade, what's the return on investment on something like that? Exactly. You know what I mean? It's exactly. like, cool, your character's float, but like, whatever. Um, but I was just thinking like, 
how amazing would it be now to see to have a movie come out based on that marketing campaign? Sure, that's like an actual horror film that, like, you know, the characters are said to be missing and like it's this whole thing, but then it actually is happening. You know what I mean? But everyone's expect you know under thinking, oh, it's just the blip. I don't know. I could see that being a that's an interesting one, right? Because they tried something fourth wally with number two. Okay, I don't think I ever saw it, but I, I've read enough about it. I, I not, not nothing like what you're talking about, but that same idea. Yeah. to it didn't, sh- didn't shitty. Well, number two, from what I remember about the sequel, it was that it it was kind of like it was more the traditional story, like a movie. Mm-hmm. The idea is that they were reacting to. The first Blair Witch because it was right. like a found footage, right? right? Okay. So they, these so yeah, it was, Bl- yeah, Blair Witch was real. So yeah. they were going to investigate right. so, it, and then the Blair. So Witch their first one was mm. like you know the found footage, and you know this is a real sort of thing. And right. then the second one was actually like the story, like was like an actual typical okay. film. So they did it. <laughs> yeah, no, but that's that's smart though, right? Like yeah. you didn't do it in your first run; you did it on the second one, right? Because yeah. you can't do the same thing again. No, right, because no. then everyone's just anticipating that. Yeah, like, once you kn- once the the the, the illusion and the, the, the you know once it's once it's over, mm-hmm. but for something to make so much money, it's like how do we capitalize on this again? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, my uh, my top one, and it also has a whole viral campaign behind it, and it was the Dark Knight. Mm-hmm. Um, they ran a whole website campaign for Harvey Dent, mm-hmm. um, which was I believe in Harvey Dent, yeah. and. It was really cool because it, you know, for a film that is obviously dealing with, you know, fictional superhero characters in this, uh, you know, fake city of Gotham. Yeah. Um, you know, Christopher Nolan's take, as we all are aware, it was a more gritty, real feel. Mm-hmm. Um, this helped just add to that. Um, so, you know, they didn't just do the campaign for Harvey Dent. They also did a, like, scavenger hunt. And it was it was the way that they were able to reveal the first look of what Heath Ledger was going to look like. Um, I, I think I remember. Wasn't there like a website? Yeah, there was a website. There was that a would website. like reveal little snippets, but or? it was a scavenger hunt, so okay. you would have to like input information. Uh, when oh, they wow. launched it, San Diego Comic Con played into bits and pieces of how you were going to get some of these clues. I thought that was really smart because a it brings in another real element to this already real depiction of something that is typically fictional, and I thought you know. The idea of including the internet and those elements really plays into, you know, again, this day and age. Blair Witch was obviously way ahead of it. And the internet was just, you know, was it was around, but it was still getting its its traction. Right. Again, we talked about how accessible the internet was then versus now. Mm-hmm. Um, once you see what they did with the campaign and then you go to see the movie, um, they, they really did fit very well together yeah you're in the story yeah Yeah. you're in the story whereas Blair Witch um, was very much based on the simplicity of the internet almost at the time yeah the Dark Knight used the full potential of the internet at the time to make this really big deep immersive experience and I think you're absolutely right Nate it's Mm -hmm. it's, it was about being in the story it wasn't about just going to see a movie and being on the other side of that screen the whole marketing campaign, this whole sort of viral internet marketing campaign that they rolled out was to allow you to be in the story, yeah. right? And to be involved in it. Yeah. So I think that that is always a really good um, way to get audiences is to to feel like they're part of that story. Yeah. So I think that that to me was one of my top. Cool. All right. All right, Nate, close us off with your number one. My number one is for the best show on television. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> is it for Lost? It's for Lost. <laughs> oh my god. So okay, so hear me out, okay? Before you guys freak out. Well, no, this was I, a good yeah, one. Yeah, I, yeah. I, yeah. It's, it's just funny coming you, from you. So, that's all. Well, because <laughs> we were talking like this. It seems as though all three of our number ones are focused mostly on creating these narratives that you can be a part of, right? You are in the real world that the Blair Witch was happening. You are in the real world where you're collecting these things to put into a website to learn more about what's happening in the city of Gotham. And you are in the real world where you can go on like multiple different websites that are linked to the show that have like full like Dharma websites. Yeah, the Dharma website was right? pretty sweet. That you can go on, and then there were like glitchy areas that you could click on yeah. that would link to maybe, um, you know, you would get to, um, oh, what was the dog's name in the show? Uh, Vincent, uh, where you he would, you know, it would go to a page where it would list like, you know, it would have him on the page, but it wouldn't say Vincent. Like, it would just be like, best ways to take care of your Labrador and stuff like that. And like, showed a dog like on an island and like all this stuff, like, just the fact that it, it, it you could solve a puzzle on the website by clicking on a series of links that would get you to a phone number that you could actually call and someone would pick up and you would hear a conversation between like uh, like a Dharma initiative like president and someone else like talking about the island like it it just blew my mind how deep it went and it and a lot of it like was I was like this is such a JJ Abrams mystery box because he loves mysteries right so like looking back at it and knowing you know what that's all about like i just it blew my mind when i was so invested in that show to to fall down these like rabbit holes to to learn more about this world it, very much like the show itself yes. like i was big into the conspiracies of that show and what things were going to mean and everything like that you know and so to your point you know going and, and exploring all these things it really did it wasn't so much like you were a part of the show, but you were a part of solving the mystery of what was going on on the yeah. show in a, like a global community. Yes, yes, yeah. You know, and it's too bad that all disappeared after season three. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. It didn't it, stick. It, no, it didn't. They just turned into a very narrative-based, simple. I think. Like, I think it was season... the atomic bomb blowing up that ruined that show. <laughs> okay. Oh, but I don't know, okay. man. I would say, I would say though that that um, that transitional moment when you know we see Jack. And he's talking to Kate, and he's saying, "We need to go back. We need to go back." Yeah, like that was pretty pivotal. Because then it became then no more, more about flash forwards. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. and then they, I think they moved away from the the sort of viral website marketing campaign, and they just started releasing shorts. There were those weird, like thirty second or two minute shorts online. I remember watching some of those videos on the website, uh, just like almost like tutorial based. Uh, videos that just kind of helped build out, like you were saying, like the lore of yeah, yeah. these elements that play a huge part. It in was the picking lost up. World. What do the numbers mean? What right. are, what are Four, they? Four, eight, fifteen, sixteen, twenty through forty-two. Those ones. Yeah, yeah, those are the exactly. ones. See, and yeah. what do they mean, Nate? At the end of the day, what 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 did they represent? They represented life. <laughs> <laughs> See. I <laughs> loved that show. Lost was my favorite show ever at that time. Right. I just don't know how, unless you really liked how it ended, mm -hmm. I I can't talk about it in a positive way yeah. because of how disappointed I was that it didn't live up to the promises that it made in those first few seasons. Well, that's the, right. the, 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 my friend said to me. Like, the others mm -hmm. are just people living there with their families. <laughs> Okie dokie. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of my friends said to me, because I told him, I said, you know, I'll wait till the show's done before I can really watch it. And they said, oh. 
you're, you're part of the lost people. And I was like, what do you mean? He's <laughs> like, you're, you're, you're one of those people that watched lost and then was let down. And now you don't trust other television shows. And I was like, 150%. Yep. Because yeah. that show did such an amazing job of building, building, building. And what it am- amounted to was absolute hot trash. And I am personally offended every time I hear somebody <laughs> compare Game of Thrones to that. Yeah. Because while the quality of the show dipped in the last few seasons, mm-hmm. the end result was a little underwhelming. Mm-hmm. I will still watch Game of Thrones once every few years for the rest of my sure, life. Sure, I, I I agree with that. Uh, it did not that ending did not hurt me personally mm. like Lost did. Mm. Sure, and I think that the the reality is is that with Lost there was a lot of questions that there were being asked, and we were thinking that we were going to get answers to like what is the island? What is mm-hmm. so significant about it? it there I was still nothing. don't know what the island was. No, at there was the end no the day, clarification right? about but the waterfall in the cave with have the I, light. Have meant. I explained on this podcast the exact my thoughts on on the ending? In terms of like, so, okay, so really quickly, because obviously this is not really falling in line with our top three marketing campaigns, but just really quickly, essentially the entire show has themes of black and white, faith and science, Jack and Locke, right? But the main, the main theme here is faith and science, Jack and Locke, and uh, all the way up into the end. And whether you think this was intentional by Lindelof or not, the way that I view it is that the entire point of the show, the ending there, the meta narrative of not being okay with the ending of the show means that, sure, you were a man of science. If you're okay with not knowing all the answers, like Locke was, going through the show, going through and really not even getting those satisfying answers. If you were okay with that, then you were a man of faith. So you've got this sort of meta narrative here of man of science, man of faith. And I feel like the divisiveness of that ending was specifically on purpose they intentionally ruined a show no, no, no i disagree i disagree, I disagree a thousand and percent. let me tell you i'm a man of science who had a hell of a lot of faith <laughs> that they were going to figure out how to end this no, show and they did not this is why this is exactly what kevin said and I, I think that's this is kind of why people compare game of thrones i agree with you game of thrones is entirely different but it all falls not just on the last episode but the last season mm-hmm. the last season of Lost did had some really great episodes that were like oh intriguing and oh, it's whatever right like what is this mm-hmm. um, kind of like Game of Thrones but it would it really came down to is that they rushed it yeah it was rushed and it it, it you can literally look at it as as just that that mm-hmm. they they were given a time frame of when this needed to be done and they ran through it very quickly mm-hmm. and they realized oh my god we've, we've planted so many seeds well how are we going to resolve that well we can't resolve that without getting into more episodes about it we can't do it in one episode like i could see the problems and it was like okay let's just conclude our primary characters that's our focus we got to conclude those characters those, and see those them promises or those those ideas and stuff all started coming through in the last three seasons. Season one, the the creators were constantly asked, "Is the island purgatory? Is the island purgatory? Is the story purgatory?" No, we promise you, no, yeah. no. Final episode, they all walk into the light, finally get out of purgatory and go to heaven. And but it was like, you liars, you just made this crap up as you went no, along. See, you had no grand exactly, vision for this exactly. show. But that's exactly it. It wasn't even just the last episode. That whole last season mm-hmm. was about purgatory. Because remember, it picks up with Jack on the plane mm-hmm. after the bomb goes off. And he's just kind of like, well, what happened? Like He's he's aware of right. the other period of time where he was on the island. Yeah. And he's recognizing all of these people. The whole season, that whole season was all about... <laughs> purgatory yep. yeah it was ridiculous and so 
like I said, they didn't know where they were going. They made it up and they just finished off. The difference between Game of Thrones and that is at least somebody knows where Game of Thrones is going. Mm -hmm. George R. R. Martin isn't stalling because he doesn't know how this thing's going to end. He just doesn't know how to get there. Mm -hmm. But he at least has an end. And no, the creators got that end, but they didn't get the way to get there. And they had to make it up. And that's where they struggled. Mm -hmm. Lost did not. They started off brilliant premise, no conclusion in mind. Yeah. And what they came up with stunk. But that website, though, is so cool. Amazing. It was so, a fantastic I, I, so marketing. Going yeah. back going back to what you're talking about, the <laughs> yeah. marketing campaign, how Unreal. it built the lore. And, and to your point, yeah. it, it helped you be involved in the story yeah. and become part of it. That is, again, strong marketing, Huge. right? You're, you're, you're turning your fans into part of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I mean... Again, I, it was it was such a cool moment to discover that it was it reminded me a lot of when I discovered the show for the first time, not knowing what it was and just seeing that eyeball open. Uh, didn't quite mean to open a huge can of worms, but uh, that has been our top three marketing campaigns um, at this time. We are going to move into Watch Club for uh, the Mandalorian. Uh, so if you have been keeping up with the Mandalorian, continue to listen. Uh, and if not, uh, thank you so much for listening so far. Uh, let's get into Watch Club. All right, so this is Watch Club. Uh, for those of you who've been keeping up with the show, um, we are kind of going through the first season of The Mandalorian and dedicating our Watch Club to The Mandalorian. Uh, for this Watch Club, we watched episode three, The Sin of <laughs> The Mandalorian. Guys, what do you think about this, this fantastic episode? Just your initial thoughts overall. Did you enjoy it? What did you, you know, did you, was it good? I thought it was excellent. Yeah. And I think it was your favorite so far. Yeah, I think it was. I think it's the, my favorite. The way favorite. you talked about it yeah. was your most, the most favorably you've talked about the show so far. Yeah, I think it was, uh, it was a great episode. Uh, it's my favorite of them. Of the three? Uh, of the three. I think I would agree with you on that one. Yeah, it, it definitely, and it's not because of the action. It's not because, um, I think it's just the ball starting to roll. Mm. right and mm -hmm. you know it's it's getting there mm. um you mentioned the, the ball the little you mean the little ball that baby yoda <laughs> wanted off that little handle yeah, yeah. it was so oh, cute yeah. everything in regards to baby yoda is little okay <laughs> so that little metal ball oh man yeah so and uh first impressions of the episode fantastic yeah it's great uh directed by deborah chow yep which right? is great insight just because she's going to be doing obi-wan it's so. Gonna be so good for obi-wan all of the episodes or she'll be she'll work on a few i think she's maybe obi-wan's john favreau i think oh way. really I, I've I've heard that she's directing so and I don't think it's going to be as long as many episodes. I think okay, it's only it might six be episodes. Okay, so she might be just do. It's like a mini series, right? So mm -hmm. and I is think, that it? One season, six episodes? I believe so. Really? I just what? Yeah. Well, I mean, with Kenobi, I wonder how much you could. That that makes me so happy. Yeah, actually, to hear that it won't be you know this. He's going to be sitting on a desert. What is he going to do? Yeah, <laughs> maybe he'll run into the Mandalorian, which is very different from this show, where I think the possibilities for where they can go and what they can do is yeah. endless. And we're yeah. just getting started. Like I think now we're really getting started, where it's you know he's off there and he's going to be on the run. And mm -hmm. yeah, overall favorite episode so far, Kevin. I think so. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's only three of them, so it's like yeah, you know. And I think I've just liked them all so much yeah but almost for different reasons you know mm -hmm. each episode has had such a different tone yeah. to it you know i th i was underwhelmed by episode two only just because it felt very filler this this helped just kind of pick up mm -hmm. uh the show and really just kind of you know amp it up a little bit more yeah. um we see the stakes we see the 
we, we also see a little bit more of the heartfelt uh, care yeah. that the Mandalorian has. Absolutely. So I think that that's great. And I, th- and I thought it included a lot of, uh, you got to see a, a few more characters a little bit more in depth. Mm-hmm. Like the, the armorer, the, 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 yeah. the Mandalorian armorer had more. She was, she was very, um, she kind of felt very like she was in charge. You know what I mean? Like she, you know, uh, this is the way. And then they would all say this is the way. And and even uh, even when Armando uh, got into a big fight uh, with the other Mandalorian, which, by the way, um, really John quickly. Favreau, yeah, yeah. The voice of. You, you beat me to it. John Favreau is the voice of Pre-Vi- or Paz Vizsla, which is interesting because he's also the voice of Pre Vizsla yeah. from uh, from the Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah. Which, like, that's so cool. That's that, very cool. That he, he, you know, he found a way to get into it. He wasn't the body, apparently. It was a different actor. No, it was a know? different actor, yeah. But, um, but yeah, that was, for those who might have noticed that voice there um, when he starts fighting with, with Armando. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you mentioned you can see how much he clearly cares about uh, about this this child. Um, and, you know, specifically in that first scene when he's, you know, you get him, he delivers the baby, the asset. And uh, and then he leaves and he he goes to grab the uh, the ignition on the on the ship and just pauses and that moment. and then like oh hell no <laughs> right <laughs> I'm going to get my baby back He's so yeah. good and so like, we've gone right into spoilers now for oh, the episode yeah, just yeah, so, so you know okay. yeah, yeah you're, you're, no um, but I just thought it was it was so heartfelt like that moment right of him just. Oh, looking listen, at it longingly because you're like, oh, you're not going to drop him off. You're not going to drop him off. Okay, okay, okay. But you, you, you're going to go back, right? You're going to yeah. go back. And then yeah. he gets his armor, and they step away from that story for a bit while he's getting his armor. And you're learning yeah. more about the Mandalorians and how they work as a as a culture as a and, as, and yeah. you know. And then you know he's walking towards his ship, and you're like, no, you're not. No, you're not. Let's go. And then he's sitting down and firing it up, and it's like. Go get the baby, man. Yeah. And yeah, he touches the little ball and it's just like, oh, yeah. How devastating would it have been if you went back and the thing's just chopped in half? You know? <laughs> yeah, I, I think the um, – I loved some of the little Easter eggs in it. Like yeah. me and Kevin were actually talking about um, when the client pulls up the yeah. – Right? With the, the ice little, cream maker. maker. Yep. Yeah. Well, it's that back. Was, what, what's his name? Woodrow? Woodrow, uh, yeah. Will, Will Row Hood? Will yes, Row Hood. Yeah. Who's running in Cloud City with this thing. Like, yeah. So now now it's not what was that that he's carrying. No. It's what was in it. Yes. Yes, exactly. But so somebody joked, uh, like, now you're going to hear – You know how they do the run – yeah, of the the Will Rose at uh, celebration. Now yeah. you're going to hear things clanging around yes, in there. Exactly. You know? <laughs> well, and I mean, like you know, in this case, it was Beskar, um, you know, Iron. But what if it was like for for Will Rowe Hood? Like, what if that was like his life savings or something? You know what I mean? Like, well, yeah. That, but or, what? Who's to say that it wasn't what the client? It could have been. It could have been anything. Well, because the interesting thing is, uh, Grief Karga mentions, and he mentions it by name, a Camtono. Um, he mentions as the name of that ice cream maker. Okay. Um, and when he meets with the Mandalorian, he's like, you know, get, do, you know, take some time off. Go get a Camtono full of spice. And he, he specifically says, like, um, he's like, by the time you come out of hyperspace, you'll have forgotten all about it. And it's like, oh, are we are, are drugs? I, are we talking about you. drugs? I couldn't here? translate what they were talking yeah. about there. Okay, nice. Yeah, nice. Like you could that. like come out of hyperspace, right? <laughs> come down from your high. Um, I was just like, wow, they're they're going there with drugs. And um, even when Grief Cargus says something about like, I'll take you to the the bathhouse or something, the Twi'lek bathhouse. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was, that was like, a 
very direct yeah, insinuation I'm like, of Disney. That. What? Oh, okay. <laughs> I think the teamwork that you see at yeah. the end of the episode when all of the Mandal- <laughs> <laughs> when all the Mandalorians come in, huge, um, huge. It was moment. great. Yeah, it was. Well, cool. yeah, that's the end. I thought we were going to save that, but okay, let's jump right in. <laughs> well, I just think it was cool to see. Like, I, I, I've always, I've always understood the Mandalorians to be kind of like very um, independent. Mm. It was Bo- cool to Bo- see. Boba definitely was, right? Yeah. And Django yeah. definitely was on his own. But again, as we've mentioned before, um, they they're were not, posers. Yeah, they're posers. They're not real Mandalorians. So obviously seeing the, the tribe, right? This is yes. the way. Yeah. Um, and seeing them them work together, uh, that camaraderie was just incredible to see that. So mm-hmm. really cool stuff. Well, yeah, that was the season or episode three hook, right? They've right. all had a hook or a cool moment. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's a baby Yoda. Oh, baby Yoda definitely has the force. Mm-hmm. And then this, like yeah. them all coming in, kicking ass. Not you know. to mention, we got the baby Yoda gender reveal in this episode uh, where uh, Dr. Pershing clearly says like two times, he, don't hurt him. True, true. And yes. so it's like, okay, so we know that this, whatever it is, this child, this baby Yoda is uh, is male. So that's, that's interesting uh, to say the least. Um, and then, you know, other interesting things that I, I noted as well. When our Mandalorian character uh, wants to just get back into work, Grief Karga puts out a bounty puck that uh, shows a Mon Cal. Yes. Which was super cool for fans of Admiral Akbar. Is this going to be Akbar's son, well, who is apparently in episode nine, I wonder? Well, so that would be interesting. I'm trying to think about the aging in terms of that, right? Who knows how Mon Calamari aged? It's true. That's true. I mean, if you've got a baby Yoda that's 50 years old, so absolutely, that could be the case. Maybe he's a young teenage version of this. Uh, son of admiral akbar who has a name i just haven't looked it up um but yes maybe that would be like, that would be kind of a neat that's time. who it is I, I, I could see it i mean there's a the, whole race of them so. right and they they do but, but all they, look very similar but, but they specified that it was an important person's yes. it was a diplomat's son correct they well so, they said, I mean, they said oh, yeah okay yeah diplomat. so i said like a royal or something yeah, yeah. Mm. interesting interesting um yeah guys what were so let's think about this um Give me your your maybe your top two moments from the uh, from the episode. Obviously, we, we kind of all have our <laughs> number one already said, but um, maybe another moment that really really no, shined for you. I think my number one moment was to see him go in there and uh, pick up that baby and strut out shooting well, you, all the stormtroopers. That was great. You kind of called it right. You, well, you, I I, I was telling Kevin, yeah, no, there's the, the writer from Slash Film that wrote that article that referenced the John Woo film. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, oh, oh, it's happening. It's totally <laughs> happening. Yeah. I just wanted to see more and like him just running. But like I liked his stealth sort of mode. And then when he gets surrounded. Oh, and he and uses he's the like, whistling birds. Yeah, the whistling birds to like blast up the <laughs> well, see, I figured that's how he was going to get out of it at the end. But I like the idea. It's like, okay, somebody's going to go in there and count exactly how many he had. Yeah. Like he received. And and then it's like, okay, so he, he used four of them. Yeah. So like, let, I want them to be so precise with these things, right? Like yeah. he has maybe 20 of them. Right. He's down to 16. So they're, you know, you know there's going to be a fan out there. Because it'd be too easy if he could just. I, I believe there was only 13 yes. when I counted. Like, but you know what? If they're going to be attention, you know, pay attention yeah, to detail, absolutely. like it shows they are, it'd be cool to keep track of those. Yeah. And I mean, I thought what else was great about that scene the whole scene, not only him with the baby, but even before getting in there, mm-hmm. you know, killing his way through. Because I, I talked about how kind of, he's kind of like a bumbling buffoon in a lot of ways. Right. That we've, and not this time. No, you know, he, was he was very calculated. He was, you know, but, and, but like yeah. doing it. He didn't, yeah. you know. I mean, he ended up having to rely on somebody to save him for the third episode in a row. But, <laughs> but you know, he but was I, still 
far more of an assassin with a reputate that deserves a reputation we right. saw in this one. And I, I loved the, uh, you know, that moment, um, at, you know, he's spying on, uh, Dr. Kirshen, he's, he's using almost like the, what is that from like predator or whatever, the, <laughs> the, the, the vision that he's the heat vision. And, uh, you, did you notice though, in that like brief garbled voice that he heard, uh, coming from the client, um, he said he, like, he specifically asked us to get it back alive. So there's someone else oh, there's, out there. There's there the client is right the client know, of someone the, else. Yes, exactly. Right, and so it's like so who who is he talking about? Is it is it Emperor Palpatine? Is it Snoke? Right? Could it be Snoke? I don't, I don't think so. I think no? this is going to be uh, I someone don't think completely different. I don't Ooh, think we've seen this character um, yet. But who, what's blue guy? Blue guy? The blue bad guy that everyone? Oh, Thrawn. Sorry, I thought you were referencing the blue guy from the first episode of this series. I'm like, that's an interesting oh, twist. No. He comes, he's like... <laughs> he's the master. Yeah, he's the mastermind um, behind all of it. Yeah. I wonder if it's going to be in relation to Gene Carlo Esposito's character. Oh, um, yeah, that would make sense. Then. Yeah, like, I can yeah. see him being the big bad. Because he looks like he's going to have, like, from the trailers, mm-hmm. there's a scene that they kind of showed where he's with a legion of, of stormtroopers. Death, death troopers. Death the, troopers. The black stormtroopers, yeah. yeah. So I think he's probably going to be the one and who knows he, who he's working for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I don't, I don't, I'm not really down for the whole, this is somehow connected to the bigger story. Right. I think this is all very focused on, on a story in the galaxy far, far away. Right. Rather than it having this constant thread with everything. So else. the threat, but the threads that are going to carry through to the other parts of the world are going to be, you think they're going to be much smaller? They're Absolutely. not going to be as as blatant or as, no, as exactly. Yeah. I'd be a little disappointed if Baby Yoda doesn't become like an, a prominent, important figure in the overall scheme of things. Maybe within the series, but maybe not in the actual yeah. films. I mean, it's just you think about Episode Nine, and Episode Nine. You know, we just talked about it's wrapped, it's done. Yeah, but and, I don't and, necessarily mean the films we've already seen. But right, in films going, going forward. forward and mm-hmm. st- if we yeah, if maybe. we have stories a couple hundred years. Right. You know, after the Skywalker Teenage say, Yoda. Uh, <laughs> That's interesting. Um, I I did think overall this this episode, as we said, definitely was my favorite. Um, one of my favorite moments, uh, and I think we all agree our favorite moment had to have been the the moment at the end. He he finally gets the baby Yoda. He leaves that place uh, after killing all those stormtroopers. Uh, the client is nowhere to be seen, and you just. It was like John Wick, <laughs> chapter yeah. two, uh, when they when all those beepers start going mm-hmm. off, right? Yeah. All yeah, of them, yeah, right? Yeah. It was yeah. like it's that. I was like, that's all I could think of watching yeah. this. I'm like, where is Keanu right now? And uh, <laughs> he's the Mando, right? He's the Mandalorian, <laughs> and then the dog is Baby Yoda. But um, <laughs> but yeah, like where's that fan art? Um, but no, I think uh, I think that moment, and then you start seeing them follow him, and the guns are all pointing just slightly off screen as the camera just stays on him. It was so well shot. And then he gets into that that massive battle, uh, and then f- does that amazing flip into like the the truck or whatever. And he's like, he tells the the droid to drive, and it's like, burr, burr, and it's like, no. Yeah, and, <laughs> and then he's like, okay. Driving. And then he starts driving, and then he gets um, shot anyways. Yeah, right. Damn you, Carl Weathers. <laughs> <laughs> Carl Weathers does not care about droids. Speaking of, he was my least favorite part of this episode. Yeah, I was gonna say, I thought he was really overacty. Like especially but is that not his hol- charm? Especially in that hologram, like it was like <laughs> you couldn't have done a couple more takes. In like that tone hol- it down, Carl. Yeah. Tone it down. That hologram gave me vibes of like um like you're playing the the PC game and that's like the yeah. message that comes through and, or something. And then even right? when he first comes into the bar and it's 
Oh, Mando! <laughs> right. Uh, yeah, but is that a Carl Weathers thing to do? I mean, I haven't seen him in too many things. I, I don't think he's, like, super campy as yeah. Apollo Creed or anything. No? So, okay. I mean, he's over the top and loud and boisterous. Right. But, like, it was just so, like, scenery-chomping, theatrical. Yeah. Like, it was just, you're on a TV show, not on a stage. <laughs> you don't need to project quite that way. But I think he had one of the best lines uh, in the episode of just saying, like, you're... You know, I'm your only hope. Right? Yes. And I was like, Ooh, yes, that was awesome. That call back. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, I, um, you know, that whole that whole moment where the they, they jump out and then one of them said something. One of the Mandalorians said uh, or I think he said, you know, go on, go on without us or move on or whatever. And then Armando said and I keep saying Armando because we don't really have a name for him yet. But um, Din Djarin or wh- whoever he is, Pedro Pascal said, um, you know, you're going to have to relocate or like or you're going to have to move the clan or something like that. And it's like, OK, so because they already established a bit of those rules of like we can only go out one at a time. Why is it always him? That sort of thing. And so it's like I- I'm just trying to understand the the secrecy behind it. And I hope hopefully they'll they'll delve into that a little well, bit it's more because of the purge. Right, I guess that's... And they're being hunted, and so they, they stick together in hiding, you right. know, to reduce their visibility. I guess, yeah. But I mean, but, I mean like, what are they under threat from now? If well, the Empire's the gone... It's, you everyone's know. kind of in free fall right now, so I'm just trying to think of, like, what exactly are they protecting by by hiding underground, you know, consistently? But it, it is interesting, because then does that mean that we've finally gotten away from, I guess, that planet now, and... And, you know, going forward, it's maybe they meet on a completely different planet or in space or something like that. Or maybe we just don't see these Mandalorians anymore. We may may never see them ever again. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least this season, right? I liked uh, what the client, the client, the client is handing off uh, the payment to Mando. He opens it up. He looks at it. And then he looks and he says, what are you going to do with him? Mm -hmm. Um, And then he says, how very interesting. (laughs) You know, he's basically (laughs) calling him out, like, why do you care so much? And, and, you know, this isn't of the It's not normally for Yeah, it's not not normal. And then the Carl Weathers character says again, like the Mm -hmm. next scene, like, no, no, no. That's not what we do in the guild. We don't ask questions. We get our payment and we walk away. Right, Mm -hmm. exactly. And and I think that- But no, he wants his little foundling back. He wants to know what you're going to do to him. Yeah, I think he also just feels, he. it shows that his unrest with handing over, you know- A child. This child. The doctor character. Yes. Do we think he might end up being like maybe a good guy? Dr. Pershing? You know, like- I can see that. He was very like, he said like, I didn't want to hurt it. I don't want to hurt it, you know? Yeah, but I, I think that that- he looks like the good guy right now, but who knows what? It would be cool if they did a, a switcheroo there. Maybe he is like a, a really terrible person at the end of it, or whatever, or you know that, that sort of thing. But um, I haven't got enough of any of these characters to really understand and what are they extract, what their allegiance is, right? Yeah, the force, midi chlorians. Yeah, I bet you. Like, (laughs) if anything, I guess that's the general assumption that that it's like his blood or his DNA. Yeah. Um, But to what? For for what what purpose? purpose, Right. And and what's the benefit? And if they're only extracting, why did they like? They need him alive, I guess, right? But like he he said, he needed to be delivered to him alive, right? So even after they do their testing, whoever the client is working for still needs to get this thing to them alive. And we got to think to timeline, right? Like this Mm -hmm. takes place five years after the empire's fallen. So Mm -hmm. after let's say return of the Jedi, um, Mm. I think it'd be really sick if uh, Obi-Wan was the one that found him and saved him. Whoa. But no, because it's on the Mandalorian's planet that he gets 
discovered, right? Is it? Like, we're going to keep getting flashbacks. But it, Yeah, but is it, though? Yeah, because it's during the purge. No, but you have to remember, though, because she said, have you ever taken your helmet off? And so if he was, you know, if he's a little kid, I'm, I'm assuming that once a little kid ages a certain amount, they become a Mandalorian proper and they put a helmet on and they never take it off and they grow with it or oh, whatever, it right? stink so bad. <laughs> Probably. But, but you have to imagine, though, then, like, don't you think, like, his parents would have been wearing armor no because not all mandalorians are mandalorians necessarily okay they have a certain you're right they yeah. have a certain way of life and a certain belief yeah you know not all christians are pastors right <laughs> you know in a, in a matter of i speaking. guess that's fair yeah. yeah so so then so then yeah i, I mean it could have been i'm interested to see because that that scene that we see which by the way i think the weakest part of the episode for me was again the way that they did the flashback i wasn't so much upset with the, what they were showing in the flashback but i was just like to do this again, only one episode apart, where it's the armor hitting but the I, steel I and then bringing there's those something. There's something. There's I think be. that's what they're going to keep doing. Yeah, there's going to be something in episode four or five where there'll be a clanging or a banging, right. and we're going to see. Okay, so the battle droid's got it open now. So maybe we figure. And what out. happens to that battle droid that he doesn't mm. just shoot him and kill him? Mm. Right. I think that's where they're going with that. They're going to reveal his Obi Wan man. Yeah, that'd you be think cool. You think Obi Wan comes in and force punches it in the face or something, and it, that's no, the clang noise? Be a cool way to introduce Ewan McGregor as Obi Wan. But would it though? A, we know he he's Obi Wan. He yeah. was in three movies. But you just said five minutes ago you don't think this is going to be a part of that story, and now you're like, this is how we're no, going to do I, it, baby. I, I, no, but I, I don't like. I, I'm 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 not opposed to. I don't think that they're going to be directly associated, mm-hmm. and I don't think that they like they should be. Mm-hmm. But like, it would be a cool little. Like something like that to me is so small. Yeah, but it's the most impactful to the character's journey. Maybe in like a finale hook, sure. right? Or, or we finally see what is at the end of that that droid opening up that that you know whatever he's jumped into that that bunker and and you know points at him and then we see. Um, but it's just like the the production on on the Obi Wan series. I don't think is anywhere far enough along for them to work doesn't that mean they in. couldn't have had him come in and do it yeah they could easily call him in to do it i but just hope they know. don't no but then like, i thought we didn't want yeah. crossovers in this show <laughs> you know even as cool as it would be yeah i think it's going to be an integral moment mm-hmm. that you could build a new character from sure maybe we maybe, maybe it's Saw what if, or what if it's no, boba would it be Saw what if it's boba yeah Saw Gerrera would have been in around in between no, saw is dead by that point saw died before episode four yeah, but this is his. This scene is taking place before, like somewhere between, between episode three. two and four. I'm not sure when the purge takes place. Yeah. No. No. Oh, you're saying that back that flashback is taking. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, it could maybe maybe. We'll what have if to- it's Boba? <laughs> well, that's how you can have Boba in the show without having to resurrect him from the Sarlacc pit. That would be kind of cool. show him in the flashback. Sure. Would he be old? No, he'd still be. He'd still be young. He'd be the, be the kid. He... What if it's Django? <laughs> no, but then that would have to take place before episode two where he yeah. dies. Okay, so the the fets are out. I, yeah. I, I, I'm taking the fets out of this. <laughs> well, anyways, um, I mean, overall, I think we can all admit, favorite episode. Um, I think if I, you know, maybe we're going to give it a, a final score here. Um, I would say I would give it, let's see here. What did I give my, I gave it. I did eight, eight point five. I'll give this one nine ice cream makers out of ten. I will give this one um, a, a a solid uh, eight point nine ice cream makers out of ten. <laughs> I'm waiting for that big, massive episode to to get into the nines. I okay. Think. Yeah. All right. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'll give it an eight. Eight yeah. ice cream makers. Eight ice creams. <laughs> ice cream sandwiches. Very cool. This is such a unanimously well-received show by all Star Wars fans. Yeah. And yet it's like what a clunky review we've just given it. We're all over the map. We don't know what to talk <laughs> about first. We don't know what to. As I was saying in one of our other podcasts, it's it's I'm trying to navigate my way of understanding and, and talking about Star Wars as a show and not so much as a movie with those beginning middle end even components. though there have been plenty of star wars shows already for sure but and not I, in a live action not in a not live for, action capacity not designed for adults and, yes. and, and like not older this, fans to exactly. enjoy and not with this kind of audience I yes guess, exactly right? everyone's talking about this yes show. Exactly. and positively yeah man the negatives the negatives are hard to find mm-hmm. you know and it, and we're gonna finally get uh you know gina carrera in the next episode yeah. i think not yeah. that i've watched the, the next told you. up but yeah yeah <laughs> what Told you we, sh- we wouldn't be seeing her until, until after the third episode. episode. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Well, guys, that is it for our uh, Mando in Review Watch Club uh, episode three, The Sin. What was the Sorry. What was the sin? I think leaving him behind. You think leaving behind? Or, or revealing themselves. Like that's a sin against the Mandalorian. Maybe way. wait. No. Or maybe he sinned in um, screwing over the guild mm. in going back and, and okay. stealing. I like you that. know, that's, yeah. that's probably what it is. Screwing over the guild. Cool. Well, hopefully uh, we'll never screw over the guild. <laughs> I don't know. I was trying to find a transition. Uh, guys, that's it. Um, hope you enjoyed this week's episode. Uh, and if you did, make sure to subscribe to us wherever you like to listen to podcasts. We are Geekcentric and you can be too, uh, which means that you can check us out on youtube.com slash geekcentric. Follow us on Twitter at geekcentricyt and follow us on Instagram at wearegeekcentric. And if, if you guys want to write in with any of your thoughts on The Mandalorian so far, we'd love to hear it uh, as part of Watch Club. You know, hear what you think about, you know, Baby Yoda and, and whether you'd want to buy you know, 50 replica Baby Yoda dolls that we all want. Um, but uh, well, where can they actually do that? Uh, they can reach us at wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. I'm not repeating it. No, That's again. wearegeekcentric at gmail.com. Thank you, Kevin. You this go. is the way. Justin, Kevin, thank you so much for joining me for today's marketing-filled episode. Uh, and as we say, love ya. Get home safe. Peace. This is the way. This, this is, is the way. way.